0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
1: Ryan under center, first and goal for the Colts. Taylor's his lone back. It's a quarterback keeper for Matt Ryan. No signal yet. And yes, he is. Touchdown. Ryan. Third and three for the Colts. Raiders 20, Colts 19. Colts back to the line of scrimmage. Out of the gun, Matt Ryan to pass. Has time. Shuffled out. And he's going to take off and run. He's got a first down and more. 35, 40, 45. Cuts back. 50. Still going down the far sideline. And he's tripped up inside the Raider 40. Matt Ryan looked like an Olympic sprinter down the far side. The throw crossing pattern inside the 20 to go to close 10 at the 5 and they will score a touchdown with Paris Campbell! Crowd gasping for air here with anticipation 4th and 7 at the 16 yard line backs the throw giving Brown throws downfield into the end zone and it's broken up by Ghost by Stephon Gilmore.
2: This one for Mr.
1: Gilmore. Devontae Adams, the intended receiver, and no flags on the play, and the Raiders have turned it over on downs with under a minute to go. In the land of gambling, gamble, gamble, gamble. Make up play
3: man. Who goes hardest the longest, man? That's how this game is decided. The most physical football team won today. Can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Hey, Parks, congrats, man. Yeah,
1: Luck be a lady tonight. Jeff Saturday, 1-0. Lady tonight.
4: As head football coach, as of right now, Jake, we have two undefeated coaches meeting Sunday at Lucas Oil Stadium. We'll see if Nick Sirianni keeps it alive tonight as the Eagles take on the Commanders Monday Night Football. But um, simply the Colts were the better coach team yesterday. Uh, Which is pretty crazy to think about it like that with how the week unfolded. Uh, But in a week really unlike any other, we had one more twist that I felt like was coming on Friday afternoon. Jeff Saturday was super noncommittal about Sam Ellinger as a starter. Sure enough, Jim Merce let Jeff Saturday go back to Matt Ryan. And um, I thought the Colts just were the more cohesive, more disciplined unit yesterday. I don't know if they're more talented than the Raiders. Raiders got some individual talent, but... Uh, that to me is why uh, they come out of there victorious. 25 20 yesterday.
0: We have Matt Ryan. He's back. It was, it was, like, it was a great
3: win. It was a great, um, it was a cool story all the way around. And Jeff Saturday looked like a guy that was totally comfortable, which was what was cool about it. Or at the very least, looked like a guy that everyone rallied around. How long that lasts, I don't know. I don't really care.
5: What's that? Is your mic working? I don't know. Is my not is my mic not working? Is your mic working? You seem on. very You seem very quiet. I don't know. Yeah, Do Samuel. Samuel says we can't hear Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Grab that mic. Is there
3: another one? Swing on around. Here we go. Okay, hang on. Hang on. Okay, we- how's that? Are we the Raiders right now? That's right. There you um, are. It no, it was a great moment and it was a great win for the Colts and as I was just saying and you couldn't hear me say it you know Jeff Saturday looks like a guy that at the very least everyone rallied around how long that lasts you know we don't know but who cares right now right the the Kevin I don't want to be the guy this is the, the the challenge is that I'm saying this as a positive people think I'm being negative I'm saying this as a positive though but but I can't help myself but to say this If you look at Washington and New England, neither of which are, like, overly stout opponents, are we going to look back and say, you know, the Colts, the storyline is that Matt Ryan came back, they, they inserted Matt Ryan in, heroic return for Matt Ryan, he wins the game for them. Why was he not there to begin with? Like, that's such an odd and peculiar decision in hindsight, because if they win those two games, it's entirely possible, had Matt Ryan played and not Sam Ellinger, that the Colts right now are sitting at 6-3-1 and and they're still within striking distance, especially in an AFC where parity is ruling. I I guess that's for another day, but to me, it did illuminate the odd decision of the two-week Sam Ellinger, like, it felt like Tolzien all over again experiment. But nonetheless, Jeff Saturday looked like a dude. He just looked like a dude, right? That like everybody rallied around and was like, let's go. Which was cool.
4: You know, entering the game, there were two things. I tweeted this out just before kickoff. Two things I was curious about with Jeff Saturday. One, would we finally see better offensive line communication? And then two, would we see a sense of urgency early on in a football game that frankly hasn't been there at all this season? I thought for the first time all year, and we can throw in the caveat of like, it was the Raiders probably before every statement today. So I don't think we need to like mention it time and time again. Yes, you did play the Raiders and boy, Jeff Saturday's tweet about the Raiders being terrible, uh, pretty accurate. Um, But I thought you supported Matt Ryan or supported the quarterback position uh, for the first time, really all season, like how you thought it was going to be entering the year. So I thought from an offensive line communication standpoint, um, one hit against Matt Ryan all afternoon, and then, of course, the big run by Jonathan Taylor there in the third quarter, which was blocked beautifully. And then you talk about a sense of urgency. Yes, they, they go three and out to start the game, but you built a 7-0 lead at the end of the first quarter, first time all season. You had a lead at, at the end of one. You have a halftime lead, first time since Christmas. The Colts just responded to Jeff Saturday In a way that I was curious about. And it's a different type of leader. It's a different sounding leader. Um, It's a different energy level. We'll have Joe Wrights on here in about 25 minutes to talk more about this because I'm curious his thoughts on Jeff Saturday as the head football coach. Um, And then in game, we didn't see any like massive time management mistakes, you know, substitution penalties, delay of games. Parks Frazier, I thought, did a really nice job. And simplifying things, getting the ball out quickly for Matt Ryan, um, but yeah, to your point, Jake, it is very interesting that Jim Merce demanded the benching of Matt Ryan um, for Frank Reich, uh, but now Jeff Saturday's here and he's
3: going to let Jeff Saturday coach the football team at the very least for now. Is it, too, Kevin? I want your opinion here. Because one thing where I'm guilty sometimes is not reading the room and knowing like the right timing to say something, it appears. So maybe this is the wrong time to say this. But my reaction is I saw that as I'm watching Matt Ryan play and play well, the thing that popped into my mind was at least for now, should there be some relief for Colts fans that they are now coached by a man that. The owner respects enough to let him make his own decisions.
4: Yeah, I guess it's a kind of a shame that that statement even has to be made, but I totally
3: understand why you say that. Um, because I, again, I don't. I, I just kept watching the game, thinking to myself, "They, they said, and I didn't say it. They said Matt Ryan was health, healthy enough to have played in those two games. So why was he not playing? Because Jim Merced demanded he be benched."
4: So, and I guess just to fill everybody out on how last week unfolded, again, Jeff Saturday said Sam Ellinger would be the starter on Monday. He watched Matt Ryan at practice on Thursday. I think even in that first day Matt Ryan got back to practice, there already was a thinking in Jeff Saturday's mind from Monday to Thursday of like, hey, if he looks
3: decent. I'm probably going to go with him. Okay, what about this? If Tony Dungy doesn't publicly on national television question the decision to leave out Matt Ryan, does Matt Ryan get inserted back into the lineup?
4: Um, I, I, I certainly hear it coming from there. I, I'd like to think that, again, Jeff Saturday made this decision because he believes it gives the Colts the best chance to win in the short term. Right, which is cool. I mean, obviously that was— but. But again, I want to go back to, Jake, they just supported Ryan better. That offensive line, Matt Ryan was hit one time in 28 pass attempts. Again, the huge run by Taylor. Um, and then finally, you ab- you were able to get that defensive stop. Things were leaking. Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs look like the studs that they are. And I know we'll talk a lot about Stefan Gilmore's fourth down play and all of that. You don't make that fourth down play without Bobby O'Karake not making the play on third down. Yeah, he Bobby O'Karake played well. Right. I mean that that punch, you know, knocking the ball out of Foster Moreau's hands yeah. down the seam, it doesn't get to Devontae Adams versus Stefan Gilmore on fourth down if Bobby doesn't make that play. Um I just felt like with Ryan, his worst play yesterday was really taking that sack. And I thought it was an awful play, but again, he hasn't even been that. Usually it's that that catastrophic turnover. You didn't have that out of Ryan, so I thought you did a wonderful job supporting him. I thought he managed it really, really well. And I thought offensively, Parks Frazier just... (laughs) I found when they QB... That was the first touchdown of the game, right? The QB sneak by by Ryan. That told me everything I needed to know about what Parks Frazier was going to do. It's first and goal from the one, and they QB sneak it with Matt Ryan. That is saying, we're not messing around here. We're not going to get cute with it on the goal line. I need to simplify things and just try well, and just keep drives going, take advantage of chances when you get those and um I thought they did a really nice job of that. 400 yards, over 400 yards of total offense. Uh, incredible balance
3: passing and running. Um so really nice debut by Parshall. And jim merce had said after the game. He said after the game basically like, "Look, we we just had to keep things simple. You know, we, we just go back to the basics and keep it simple." So, uh, a Colts victory Monday. Good morning to you. We'll talk plenty about the Colts winning yesterday over the course of the show. Joe Wrights as Kevin had mentioned, will join us about 20 minutes from now. My name is Jay Query. That was Kevin Bowen's voice. You just heard Mark Dykton here as well. It is Kevin and Query on a Monday. Good morning to you in Indianapolis after a Colts win, which always gives people a little extra pep in the step. Now, of course, everything turns towards Philadelphia, who plays tonight turning around and coming to Indianapolis. It was a great day yesterday in the NFL in general, and a late game, which is always unusual because then you get to watch an early game. Mark got to watch his Bears and the Lions, mm-hmm. which was great for 99% of it, right? Yeah, that's fine. Losses, you know, again, I was telling you uh, before the show
5: started, it's a loss, yes, you'd like to see Justin Fields get those wins, but you've boosted the draft stock, and maybe a team that needs a quarterback can now get fleeced by the Bears in April. The, the
3: Colts starting... At the time they did, That's an interesting thought, Mark. I like that. <laughs> Going with the Pacers thought there, right? The That's only right. the only drawback of the cold start time was it was starting right as the Buffalo Minnesota game was finishing, and that was one of the craziest endings. Did you see what happened at the end of that I, game? I almost Kevin? felt like we needed to pause the four
4: o'clock start so we could was, watch the end of Bills Vikings.
3: I, I've never seen anything like it, and I know everybody knows now what happened, but I, I guess for the few of you that don't. Literally in the last minute of the game, Minnesota was stopped on fourth and inches. Goal line stand by I the mean, Bills. Fourth and inches, fourth and goal from the inch six inches away from the end zone. Kirk Cousins sneaks it and gets stopped. They literally pushed him immediately sideways. Buffalo gets the ball back with like fifty two seconds to go, and is theoretically just needs to they can't take a knee because they're on the goal line. Josh Allen tries to sneak it and fumbles the snap. Minnesota recovers at four touchdown to go up three and seemingly win the game. Buffalo comes roaring back, gets in field goal range. Josh Allen gets him within range of a field goal in the last seconds. They hit that to force overtime. Then in overtime, Minnesota kicks a field goal. Buffalo gets picked. Minnesota wins the game. It was an unbelievable turn of events. So the Dolphins are not leading the AFC
4: East. Is that right? How about this? Seven and three Miami
3: Dolphins. How about the six and three Jets? Six and three Bills. And then the five and four Patriots. Can you imagine? like, So if the playoffs started today, you'd have four AFC
4: East teams in it. Yeah, the Bills are currently third in the AFC East right now. Every single wild card would be an AFC
3: East team. How about this statistic? I'll let Mark guess here on pop quiz variation. Yesterday in the NFL, we saw a quarterback get a quarterback rating of 135 or higher for the third straight game for the first time in NFL history. Who was it? Was it Justin Fields? I don't think it was. Kevin, yesterday in the NFL, we had a quarterback get a rating of 135 for the third straight week. The first time in NFL history that's happened. Who was it? I'm going to guess it was Tua. That is correct. My second guess was Tua. Tua. 39-17
4: over the Browns yesterday, the Dolphins. Again, tonight, Commanders and Eagles. That game in Philly. The Colts will welcome Philly here for a 1 o'clock kick next Sunday. You know, I think one of the hardest things, Jake, with... The switch to Jeff Saturday is like, okay, how much of that leadership can he instill midseason? Right. Um, And like, how much does it matter as well? And again, that's something I want to throw to Joe Wright's coming up in about 15 minutes. But you look at the results from yesterday, and there's no denying whether it's the offensive line as an individual position group or the football team in general, that this team reacted differently to Jeff Saturday than they had been. Um, they led at the end of the first quarter. They led at the end of the second quarter. They led at the end of the third quarter. That's not happened all season long. Um, again, from an offensive line standpoint, yes, the Raiders entered yesterday with the worst pass rush in the NFL, but Matt Ryan has hit once. I thought it was the best the run game has looked since week one. Um, and So when you look at those areas, and I just think Saturday's in, in general approach all week long, I do think it resonated. Um, I'm sure there's an element of guys inside that locker room, a credit to them for reacting in a way where you know, they didn't just look like Chris Bauer to that Monday press conference and curl up in a ball. They handled themselves in a professional manner. I don't think you could say the same thing about the Raiders. It seemed like every time the Raiders had an issue yesterday, it was bitching and moaning. It was, I mean, Devontae Adams at one point just went over and sat on the bench for a critical third down. I was like, what is going on after that holding penalty? I just thought the Colts were a more cohesive unit. They weren't cracking like the Raiders were cracking. And again, when you're facing that opponent, it probably is pretty easy to be like, oh man, at least they aren't as dysfunctional as them. You play who shows up on your schedule. And yesterday the Colts got it done.
3: Um... In ways we haven't seen them do it this season. You know what's fascinating to me is, and I guess it's a compliment, somehow or another, you and I, Kevin, have been lumped in as national talents. Which, I can't Gosh, speak for we? you, I'm certainly not. No. But, I don't know why, I, you know, uh, cool, it comes with the territory. I don't know why or how we got lumped in. Like, the number of people yesterday that were reaching out to me tweet email text whatever like so are you going to eat crow now what are you going to say about them hiring jeff saturday i don't see you having a problem with it now and i'm like have i did did we ever have a problem with it i don't remember one time saying anything about i mean as a matter of fact kevin i think you and i both were saying uh, did did we and i know that the national narrative Bill Cowher and Shannon Sharp and Joe Thomas, you know, they were all complaining that Jeff Saturday wasn't qualified to be an NFL head coach and he wasn't ready for it. And he did. Those that have covered Jeff Saturday and been around him and know him and talked to him were like, "Hey, I let's see what happens." I I, I don't I don't know anywhere where. i i would right now i will offer a one thousand dollar bounty to anybody that can provide the audio of me questioning or damning the hire of jeff saturday where did it go where where did i say that a thousand bucks jeez have at or or right here Regent brian who by the way speaking of bitching and moaning that's he lives to do just that what what time time will you guys
4: clumps in this past weekend and a little more coming back if, in the pocket?
3: I don't know if they actually covered. Uh, what time will you be issuing your formal apologies to Ballard? Time to admit you were wrong. Uh, about what?
4: Ballard, I,
5: I, I don't understand where that's coming from. The O-line, maybe? Receivers? You get a win against the Raiders, and he's absolved of everything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe
3: because the, the receivers are, you know, Paris Campbell's playing well, and we knew that Michael Pickles we We're going to have, have Paris Campbell on. This week, by the way. Not sure exactly the day yet, but uh, we will have Paris Campbell. What's interesting is, it was Chris Ballard who said, not me, not Kevin, not Mark. Chris Ballard's the one that said, we can't play like Paris Campbell's our number 2 wide receiver, right? Where does he slot right now for them?
4: Yeah, he'd be in, uh, Michael Pittman's number. Yeah, he'd be right behind Pittman, right? He's playing well, though. Yeah, I you think know? it's a day, Jake, where, you know, with how chaotic last week was, um I think the Colts deserve to have this win celebrated. You know, I find myself always doing this in the Monday after games, evaluating performance versus result. And the performance and now taking a win over the Raiders and saying, okay, what does that mean for the rest of the season? Can the Colts get back in the playoff race? Are they going to beat the Eagles? I mean, if you look at the schedule, the schedule gets a whole lot tougher real quick. We can get into performance, and I think we can do that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and continue to look bigger picture stuff throughout the rest of the month of November and into December. you got to buy a week into December. Perfect time to talk about some of that stuff. But in the Monday after such a crazy, crazy week, I mean, hell, Jeff Saturday, this time last week, was two hours away from calling into this radio show. I think yesterday can be celebrated. No, I get it. And should be celebrated. And I'm not saying this at you, Jake, or anybody else, but it was kind of an internal battle that I had
3: with myself last night of saying, how do you react to that? But my point being, Kevin, this is my point. I don't disagree with you, but but and, and maybe I'm just wired differently, but my point is simply this. I get, and this is what I said at the beginning of the game, the Colts deserve a ton of credit for overcoming what they overcame last right. week to win a game except for the fact that everything they overcame was created by the Colts. You know, the Colts the Colts overcome and bring back the triumphant return of Matt Ryan. Well, Matt Ryan wasn't like he didn't overcome a staff infection. He what? overcame an infection on their staff, right? From the top of it. Right. You know that's the stuff to me that's weird about it is like, I just look at it and I'm thinking to myself, man, don't they? They realistically, without one really bizarre move, could be riding what a three game win streak. Yeah, I, I don't know if they beat if they beat the Patriots, but they beat the
4: Commanders though, right? Yeah, you'd like think that you finished that that one off there. Um, boy, I thought Jonathan
3: Taylor looked really healthy yesterday too. I think Taylor has looked healthy. He just didn't have any... Uh, what what really is, to me, the story of yesterday is the fact that that offensive line looked like the... I, I mean, yep. finally, it was like, here we go. When you support Matt Ryan like that, he can give you winning
4: football. Correct. No question. And that's exactly what you did yesterday. Again, the offensive line, really sound. Jonathan Taylor, obviously that 66-yarder. And again, Bobby O'Carrike making the huge play on third down followed by Stephon Gilmore. On fourth down, we'll get to the afternoon for Parks Frazier. Very balanced, simplified things. Got the ball out of Matt Ryan's hands very quickly. I think got some guys in space. That was important as well. Um, Joe Wright's going to join us here in less than 10 minutes. Kevin and Quarry on a Colts victory Monday, 25-20 over the Raiders.
0: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love. Hanging with friends who lift you up
1: morning checkdown Brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on three five and 107.5 The Fan.
3: So yesterday Colts 25-20 over the Raiders snapping a three game losing streak. Jonathan Taylor spectacular. 147 yards and a touch. Matt Ryan really good. 222 yards through the air. One big run. Touchdown run. Jeff Saturday your thoughts not only on the team but also the coaches around you in yesterday's big win. Everybody um, from offense, defense and and Bubba, obviously on 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 special teams, these guys they rallied, and 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 um, it's just it's a special moment for all of those guys, and I tip my hat to all of them. Um, it's it's just it's it's an honor to be a part of it. Uh, more
4: cohesive unit, uh, more disciplined unit. I didn't think we had anything too too crazy. Smart challenge by Saturday early on. Good late first half clock management there. Um, no substitution issues. Did not look like a first-time head coach there on the visiting sidelines. So again, 25-20, Colts win. Joe Wright's going to join us in a few minutes to chat more about that.
3: Twenty-five minutes before the hour of eight o'clock on a Colts victory Monday. Been a while since we've been able to say that. Jake Query, Kevin Bowen, Mark Diketon here as well. It's Kevin and Query you know, 935-1075 the fan. Kevin, story of the game yesterday, there were a lot of them. The return of Matt Ryan would be one. But I'll tell you what, the way that offensive line played would be probably the biggest storyline for the Colts. Yeah, I thought you supported
4: Matt Ryan um, and really supported the quarterback position, um, which you haven't done enough this season. Uh, Joe Wrights is with us here. Was told that Joe Wrights is only coming on because he heard that if you show up on this show on Mondays and you're a guest, then you get the NFL head coaching gig the next
6: week. Yeah, exactly. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, are you going to leave your CYO I,
4: job and take an NFL job next week?
6: Well, you know, I've never been one to toot my own horn, but I'll toot the horn of the uh, 8-0 and third grade Our Lady Mount Carmel Raiders who ran <laughs> through the CYO this year. And so with that, I'm just wondering. So this is Jeff's spot, right? Am I stepping in for Jeff? Who, you are. who gone to greener Pass? Wow. I next feel honored next this man morning. up. I feel honored this morning. Hey, Sat was a great teammate to me, and... You know, it was a good couple years we had, so obviously super excited for him, super excited for the team, the fans, everybody. It it was just a different Colts team that I think everybody saw and felt, you know, last Sunday afternoon.
4: Let's go back to a week ago Monday, Joe, and I'm just curious your initial reaction to how everything unfolded from the firing of Frank Reich off of... Again, the war, one of the, if not the worst offensive performances in franchise history. And then the Jeff Saturday news. Um, what were your initial thoughts a week ago?
6: I was not shocked, but surprised Frank got let go, but also felt like you know something had to happen after that New England game. It had been a steady fall, and it just really got ugly there Sunday afternoon. And sometimes there's defining moments like that game that really you have to trigger a switch. Now, I was shocked that Jeff... Uh, was hired from the job. And, you know, there was a lot of talk, some good, some bad, all over the place about him. But bottom line, you know, Jeff Saturday, and, and just like him, I was in an NFL locker room for nine years. I was, you know, Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and Peyton Manning and Saturday and all these great coaches. Jeff is a unique leader of men. And so from that aspect, I didn't have any worry about him coming in, being able to take hold of the locker room because, one, he has instant credibility because he sat in their shoes. He wasn't some first-round, you know, primo, five-star guy. He was undrafted guy that worked his way to a, you know, Hall of Fame-type career and six-time Pro Bowler. So I knew he'd have instant credibility with the players. I also knew he would have credibility because if I'm a player and a coach gets let go mid season, guess what I'm thinking? I better get my stuff together or I'm going to be out on the street. And I think we saw players respond that way. I thought that, overall, we played the hardest as a team we played since the Chiefs game, and there were some guys – that I thought played harder and not by a little bit, by a lot, than they had all year. And I think that's a product, one, of Jeff's leadership, but two, also the unique situation that, hey, kind of everybody's on watch. But again, I thought he did a a tremendous job. I think it was fun to see the team play with an energy, a juice, a passion they necessarily haven't had. And I also thought we were physical. And you go back to the offensive line, we ran for 200-plus That was the most physical the offensive line has played all year, which obviously I love to see.
3: Joe, in terms of the offensive line and what seemingly was a magic wand from last week or last month to yesterday, is there a centerpiece, is there a player, is there a cog in that wheel That was the difference yesterday where you were able to look at it as somebody who played in the league on the line and say, That right there is the piece that because it's playing well, everything else is falling into line.
6: I don't think there was one thing. I think there's really three things, Jake. And and what I saw was one, I think you solidified the right guard with Will Fries. I thought he played really well yesterday, I thought he's done well. All year, it seems like him and Braden Smith, there are together. They're both similar size guys, length guys. Seems like they play well. That first third down of the game, you know, the Raiders ran a TE, a tackle end stunt that against New England before, they basically got two sacks on that same exact stunt. They passed it off seamlessly. They seem to be playing well, and I think Will Fries will only get better. Again, it's only his, you know, really third start and as a second-year player. So I think that's one, and then Ryman on the left side too. I think, two. they played – as physical as they played all year. And I think, honestly, it's probably when your head coach is an offensive lineman, I'm sure he challenged those guys this week and they responded well. And then I think three play calling wise, and oh by the way, the hidden M V P Parks Frazier, I mean tremendous job. Rick Venturi last week we talked about it. Anybody can put together a game plan. But Coleman plays X's and O's when you're an O or D coordinator. That's a special skill and I thought he was he was awful good. On Sunday, But I thought that we kind of simplified things in the run game. We spread some guys out, had some lighter boxes, and I'll just talk about that 66-yard run. That's one of our staples. We ran a weak side play left, but then you had the tight end Mo Alley coming back across the formation, so that puts those linebackers in conflict. He did a good job cutting off Max Crosby. The linebacker went backside. Ryan Kelly sealed him off, and boom, we were out the gate. So I think those three things for the offensive line and then overarching – We had the lead. We were up 10 to nothing. That's something the Colts haven't played with really all year. And when you're leading throughout the game, you can dictate offensively what you do. You can throw on first down if you want. You can run on third down. That's something the Colts have been behind the eight ball so much. They've been forced to get in these do-or-die situations and throw all the time. That's not fun for anybody. So... That's what I saw watching the game when I kind of broke down the tape.
4: Yeah, it seemed like that play, that 66 yarder, was blocked so well, and then finally got Taylor to that second or
6: third level, which hasn't happened enough this but, season. But the reason, but the reason there, Kevin, is that's their 30th rush of the game, and you've continued to pound those guys, pound those guys. And we always said the the three, four, five you're on in the first half; those are the one you break for 30, 40, 50 in the second half, and it's a product of everything that you've done to that. Leaning on those guys, being able to call runs and stay with the running game because you're ahead on the scoreboard.
4: Yeah, you felt like the Raiders were going to crack, and at that point, you're able to hit them right in the mouth. Um, again, Joe Wright's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joe, I, I want to talk a little bit more like head coach, big picture uh, question with you here. Um, what type of leader do you think an NFL locker room gravitates towards the most? You know, I think there's no debating that in Frank Reich and Jeff Saturday, it's a different energy level. It's a different sounding voice. It's a different type of personality. Um, Do you think a locker room sides a little bit more towards the emotional, outspoken, rah-rah nature, or do you think a little bit more of a quiet demeanor and a uh, a consistent message uh, would be the other side of it?
6: That's a tough question. I know me personally, I would like a little more outspoken, raw, raw guy. I mean, I played four head coaches, John Harbaugh, Chuck, Bruce Arians, and Jim Caldwell, all uniquely different, all went to the playoffs, all successful. But I do think that, you know, sometimes if you're more of a a quiet demeanor, you know, like Frank is, over time, you know, you can kind of lose your voice in the locker room. And, I mean, that's, you know, Larry Bird, Bill Parcells, a lot of guys say, hey, every four or five years, you need to get a new voice anyway. But I think definitely – Jeff has a unique juice, a unique charisma about him, and he has a lot of confidence, too. And, uh, you know, I always felt that like when Bruce Arians was in there. You know, that year, 2012, you know, we were no good. Our talent, our roster was bad, but Bruce had so much confidence in himself, and his chest was always puffed out so much, you just kind of walk around like, okay, I believe this, I can do this, and that's a coach's job, you know, to get guys ready to play and instill in them the confidence and belief, and that's something that definitely Jeff has. Now, I also will say, you know, he benefits from just a change, right? Any sure. change you make is going to bring a certain natural boost energy level. And so for me, it was a great win, super excited. I'm really excited to see what they do this week, right? How do you bounce back when you come off a little bit of that emotional high, so to speak, and you get to work on Wednesday against, oh, by the way, Philadelphia Eagles who are undefeated. And I think it was a, it was a good win, you know, against them. But, you know, Vegas is two and seven. And I think we will see – and probably be defined a little bit more, you know, coming up this Sunday at one o'clock, you know, when the undefeated Eagles are in Lucas Oil.
3: You know, one of the things that will be interesting to me, Joe. Uh, Joe Wrights is our guest on the Payless Sugars Hotline is you know, Jeff. Saturday is such a good dude, right? I mean, like even people that don't know him, I think can tell he's just a good guy, nice genuine. guy, you know, genuine, all that. The one thing that we've never seen, and I don't know, uh, I'm sure those that played with him regularly saw this, but we've never seen him have to be a jerk. And I'm not saying you have to be that as a coach Joe, but you know what I mean like when he when when the times are down and it's and now all of a sudden guys are having to rally for him because of a situation where things were not going well under his watch and then he's got to get in the face of guys, hold them accountable, make tough decisions, make personnel decisions. Those are the times to me that I'm really curious because I don't know that Jeff Saturday's ever really had a situation where he was the bad guy in his life right
6: well i I mean i would disagree and push back only because the the two years when i was with him in the locker room he has no problem addressing people having a direct confrontation and and getting in guy's face i I think he is a a really fierce competitor now he's smiling with his baby blue eyes in the media you know and everybody loves him but but don't uh don't get it twisted there were a lot of times in practice locker rooms team meetings when you know jeff wasn't afraid to go at anybody and well, that's good then because that's and, and, he, that's and, what and, he's gonna have to do right but 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 he just he he's only gonna ask people to do the same things that he did right right and you know when i was lucky to be in that locker room with him and peyton manning and, and all those great leaders you know it was a high high bar because the leaders were saying this is the standard this is what we do. But, yeah, Jeff, is uh, he's definitely got a fiery demeanor to him. And, and I'm sure that practice this week leading up was a little bit different than guys had over the last six, seven weeks. And there, there was accountability. And I think the three things I saw in that game on Sunday was the, the juice, the the energy, the esprit de corps, so to speak. I saw accountability, and I saw physicality. And that's something that I know Jeff, as a player, hung his hat on. And, again, your team is going to take on the personality of the head coach. And I think that underdog mentality, that fighter mentality, that physical mentality, that's something that Jeff's going to try to put a stamp on this team over the next seven games.
3: How long, Joe, as a player, when you have, and, and I realize that in terms of like an unexpected interim, I think the Aryan situation is the only in which you played underneath. And in that case, you had the spirit of the rally for Chuck Pagano as well. So it's maybe a little different, but... From a playing standpoint in the National Football League, the juice, the jolt, the energy you get from the new voice, realistically, that wave lasts how long?
6: I think that will remain to be seen. But to me, it's not about just doing it on Sunday. If, if you're a high-juice person, and, and I like to think i I got a lot of juice, I like to get up early and get fired up and go. You, you can't just do it on Saturday and Sunday. you got to do a Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And it's easy on Sunday afternoon. It's easy today. To me, it will be how spirited is their practice this Wednesday? How ready are they this Thursday? How ready are they this Friday? But the teams, the cultures that play with that type of energy and enthusiasm, they don't just do it on Sundays. you got to live it 24-7. And, again, I know that that's something that Jeff, that's kind of who he is at a core. And, again, I'm sure he's going to try to put that unique um, level of just, again, preparation, energy, juice, whatever you want to call it, and really try to matriculate that to the team. Now, the challenge is, you know, you can't go, you know, if you ride the wave up and down, up and down, you know, that can be a dangerous game to get into. But, again, I think he's just going to try to steadily build on what they did and see where these last seven games go and, you know, just take it, you know, one game by one game. But, again, good win, but I also think, you know, realistically, you know, you're playing the Raiders, much tougher challenge this week. I'm excited to see how they respond. I also thought it was kind of interesting You know, to me, the Raiders game last year is really when this ship started going south, right? Really when this team, you know, started eroding kind of slowly over time and then, you know, you get a new coach and Jeff's in there and you get a win against the Raiders and maybe uh, it's kind of poetic justice that that's kind of when, you know, this team starts their climb back uphill to get back to the winning culture that you know, all of these Indianapolis fans know so well.
4: He's a third grade CYO championship head coach Joe Wright. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline and I don't know. Maybe if Josh McDaniels gets fired today, uh, we might have our second straight week of a Monday guest and a new head coach <laughs> in the NFL. I want to end with this, Joe. Um, going back to Parks Frazier, Jeff Saturday did not did not make that final call on going to Matt Ryan until Friday afternoon, so you got to think for at least a chunk of the week, Parks Frazier thought Sam Ellinger would be his starter, yet the game plan still allowed for your most offensive balance all season. Um, I thought you got the ball out Quicker. Um, I felt like they helped out in pass protection. Ryan has only hit one time. Uh, looking specifically at Parks Frazier, what did you see from
6: him and just the offensive game plan? I thought it was a clean game plan. I thought it was simple, you know, and just because it's simple doesn't mean it's not good. You know, when, you know, Peyton was here, I mean, we, we ran the same plays all the time, but you just run them from different formations and window dressing, and you just did them better than everybody else. So we executed at a high level. I thought really. We got a little bit cute on that third and one when we took the sack, and Ryan's got to know he can't take the sack. But outside of that, I thought it was a really clean game. I like the balance we had run to pass. And again, it's so much of it is depending on having a lead early. You know, we had that 10 point lead early, and you can just completely change things up the way you call the game. So again, for a guy that's never done that, for a guy that, what is he, 30 years old, is that right? Yeah. I, I, I thought, you know, Parks Frazier, that really was a really good job, especially to your good point, Kevin. The quarterback change came Friday afternoon, and you got to rework things over the next 48 hours. So kudos to him and a tip of the cap for him and a tip of the cap for Jeff for rolling the dice with Parks. Again, you got seven more games. We'll see how it goes. But that was a great start for him calling the plays uh, from the OC spot. I want to get back
3: to one other thing, only because I think myself and, and fans find this fascinating, Joe. When you were a cult player, can you give me an example in the huddle? I, I think this is fascinating. So if there's a play that is, let's say, an out route to Marvin Harrison, so you're saying that that you might have run the same out route to Marvin Harrison, but under two completely different looks and formations so that the defense didn't know you were actually running the exact same play. Can you Can you right now tell me, In the huddle, like, what was the vernacular that led you to know that you're running the same play, but with a different look in the beginning in terms of how the offense is lined up? How do you know that in the huddle, other than like the long winded way of which I just said it?
6: I I think that. You know what? I guess what I was trying to get at is that you you don't need to reinvent the wheel and have a bunch of different crazy route concepts. If you have four or five route concepts and you do them really well, then that's what you hang your hat on, and you just execute at a higher level. Now you might be running the same play with two receivers on the right, and then the next play, of three receivers on the right, and then one time you have two tight ends, and you have a tight end running that route instead of a slot receiver. But the bottom line is that uh, you know for a long, long time. The Colts just executed really well offensively, balanced tempo, and I, I thought we threw in some tempo in the game, which I thought was great for Jeff. And I think you saw some of that in his stamp on on how that game went and unfolded. But but the balance was key, being ahead on the the change was the key, you know, and, and being up ten nothing early on, and uh, yeah, it, it was exciting. It was exciting to see just them offensively. I think have you know you could throw that in the Jacksonville game, and those are two best offensive performances, but. For Parch to do that again was uh, was uniquely special. I think for somebody calling plays for the first time.
4: Joe, really good stuff as always. Um, again, Joe will be on tonight Colts Roundtable live at six o'clock. You can hear that on our airwaves. Congrats again on the big third grade CYO. Did they carry you off the field like John Madden?
6: They did. What was really cool was we had two Our Lady Mount Carmel third grade teams. We played at the same time at Ron Collin. and we both won. So getting to see all those kids celebrate together. That was uh, it. Was a special day for Raider Nation. There's only one <laughs> Raiders, you know. After this yeah. dominant performance by the Colts, and that's up there, Kevin. As you know, at Our Lady Mount sure. Carmel.
3: You know, it's easier to carry you off the field for those kids than it would have been five years
6: ago, right? Oh, no, no question. They would no. They would have been <laughs> squashed, and kids would have been in the hospital because I was fat and weighed 325 pounds, so there you go. And again, this Raiders coach
4: secure job. The other Raiders coach we saw yesterday, mm-hmm. probably not. Uh, Joe, thank you. Have a great week, man. And I'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, fellas. Joe writes right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Um, to that point, I thought this was an interesting quote from Sam Ellinger after the game. and credits to Zach Kiefer. He had this in his story. Um, Ellinger said, we have a lot of really good X's and O's coaches, but I think what Jeff brought was more energy. It's hard to describe exactly, that fight, the toughness, the accountability, calling guys to play better, not being afraid to say something, not being too
3: nice. Okay, I'm going to, I have a big question about that and, and call somewhat of a BS on it. In a couple minutes, Is that cool. Curious, your guys? Yeah, sure, definitely.
4: Um, Eight o'clock hour coming up. Curious, your guys' thoughts? 317-239-1070 uh, on the Colts' victory yesterday over the Raiders. Um, any other comments related to the game? Stephon Gilmore with the play to close it out. Bobby Okereke, a huge one as well, and um, some offensive balance that we have yet to see. An early game success, as Joe pointed out. Ten nothing lead, halftime lead, lead going in the fourth quarter. Just things we have not seen from the Colts this season. Beautiful start, chilly, but a beautiful start here on this Monday morning. Kevin Aquari, 9351075, The Fam.
0: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclib 200mg at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
1: under center first and goal for the Colts. Taylor's his lone back. It's a quarterback keeper for Matt Ryan. No signal yet. And yes, he is. Touchdown. Matt Ryan. Third and three for the Colts. Raiders 20. Colts 19. Colts back to the line of scrimmage. Out of the gun. Matt Ryan to pass. Has time. Shuffled out. And he's going to take off and run. He's got a first down and more. 35. 40. 45. Cut back. 50. Still going down the far sideline. And he's tripped up inside the Raider. 40. Matt Ryan looked like an Olympic sprinter. To Trying to throw crossing pattern inside the twenty to go the Colts ten at the five and they will score. crowd gasping for air here with anticipation. Fourth and seven at the 16-yard line. Backs the throw. Giving Brown Throws downfield into the end zone. And it's broken up by the Colts by Stephon Gilmore. This
2: one for Mr. Gilmore.
1: Devontae Adams, the intended receiver. And no flags on the play. And the Raiders have turned it over on downs with under a minute to go. In the land of gambling. Gamble, gamble, gamble. Make
2: the play
3: man. Who goes hardest the longest, man? That's how this game is decided.
1: The most physical football team won today. Can't tell you how much I appreciate Hey, Parks,
3: congrats, man. Yeah. Yeah. Luck be a lady tonight. Mark, great open, but can we not uh, use the luck references, please? It's, uh, it still hurts. Tonight. I think this song was used at one point like a 100 times by ESPN um, great during open the luck era. Great open, for sure. Colts win yesterday, celebrated this morning on a good-looking but chilly Monday morning in Indianapolis. Good morning to you, Jake Query, along with Kevin Bowen and Mark Dykton. Kevin, I ask this somewhat rhetorically, but the thing to me that was fascinating, after yesterday's game and the, you know, what did Jeff Saturday bring to the table aspect of it? If you look at it, you know, what was different yesterday? Well, you know, people say, well, accountability. And, you know, guys wanted to go out and play hard for him. And he held guys accountable. He brought in energy. He brought a different voice. Wasn't that all of the things that Frank Reich supposedly brought to the table? Wasn't Frank Reich, like, the thing about Frank Reich as a coach, yeah, he was like this offensive quarterback whisperer, but wasn't he a great leader of men? Wasn't that the thing that I always heard about Frank Reich? He's just a leader of men. People want to play for him because he has a, he's a trusted voice and, you know, he's a, he's a pasture and guys buy in and they, he, he, people don't want to disappoint him. Like, like, like we saw with Tony Dungy, isn't that, you know, so does, and I'm not saying that to take away from Frank Reich, but does all of that stuff have a shelf life? I think it's a different type of leader now as your head coach than it was. Because he played. and I don't mean that kind of synonym, because he played, you think? Because guys well, are like Well, I hey, mean he, Frank Frank played, of course. Well but that's true, yeah. But, yeah,
4: I, I just think different energy level. Played for the Colts, um, I
3: guess I should have said.
4: Different um just a different type of leader. And again, that's the question I threw to Joe Wright's when we had him on. I didn't word it as well as I was hoping, but I think an NFL locker room gravitates more towards the leadership style of Jeff Saturday than Frank Reich. And I know there's no way to say that without it sounding like a knock on Frank Reich, but in year five, Jake, his message and how he was leading, I think, had gotten stale. And again, it, it, there's a lot of gray area involved in that. So every time I say something like that, I'm kind of like, boy, I'm. it's a little bit coming from the hip, but I think the results would back that up. This team hadn't had a halftime lead since last Christmas. They hadn't started off games with 10 nothing leads. Um, and again, you throw in the caveat, and I feel like we got to do it to set up every hour, you were playing the Raiders. There is no opponent in the NFL yesterday that Jeff Saturday wanted to see more on the schedule than the Raiders. Uh, Hell, he tweeted about it. And that couldn't have been a better recipe or medicine, if you will, for the Colts to snap out of it. Um, You know, there's an article that I'm getting ready to post to 1075thefan.com. And it's basically aspects the Colts should be looking for in their next head coach. And the number one trait that I think should be up there, and I've said this all along the Frank Reich era, I think in today's NFL, you need a CEO and a leader before you need anything else. I felt Frank Reich was a little bit... Just too consumed by everything on his plate. You'll watch Nick Sirianni tonight. Nick Sirianni is not the play caller in Philadelphia. If you look at AFC head coaches that have had the most success over the last decade plus, none of them are handling play calling duties on a Sunday of a Mike Tomlin or a John Harbaugh or a Belichick. I appreciate closing the blinds by the way. Well, I could kind of see that you were getting blinded. Yeah, I know. I was was struggling there. I looked like Marcus Freeman on the sideline on Saturday. (laughs) I don't know why I didn't put sunglasses on. Anyways, um, I think that's what you need. I think you need someone that lets their coordinators handle business and is able to then oversee everything else and when they need to have some input defensively they do that when they need to have some input offensively they do that when the time management and the game management situations arise they're not sitting there saying oh man I've got to worry about this next offensive series that could be coming or you know what are we going to dial up defensively they can kind of pick and choose where they insert themselves uh, within a game and within a week as well certainly Saturday is going to have more of an offensive influence right now Um, and he did that this past week, he mentioned it on Friday, about 85% of his time was spent in the offensive meetings, but I think that can fluctuate and that can be um, fluid. Um, I thought it was interesting, Tucker Barnhart, was, him and I were trading texts a little bit earlier, and he goes... Um, I'd mentioned the CEO leader, and he goes, 100% agree. I look at it like the NBA, to be honest. Sure, there are spots to call plays and insert your stamp in certain moments, but a lot of times you've got to let guys go play or pass off the load to that position coach or that coordinator. Lead your team, insert your thoughts, plays when necessary, and get out of the way and, most importantly, lead. And, again, I think it's a different type of leader That yes, you have Tony Dungy's, you have Jim Caldwell's, you have Frank Wright type demeanors that have had success in the NFL, but I think a bigger percentage of the locker room gravitates more towards the
3: Saturday type of leader than the right type of leader. Okay, so Jeff Saturday's first big move, theoretically his decision I would assume, was to insert or reinsert Matt Ryan back into the starting lineup. I mentioned this earlier. Does Jeff Saturday get the clearance to do that if Tony Dungy had not called out the Colts for benching Matt Ryan on national television, and Jim Merce clearly took exception to it?
4: Yeah, again, it's a thought that hadn't run through my head until you brought it up in the opening segment. I I would like to think that Jeff Saturday took this job and said to Jim Merce, "I need to have control. I need over autonomy. Right. All the decisions. Right." And I think Jim Merce. Has that
3: respect? Okay. Does let me rephrase it then, Kevin. Of Jeff Saturday is the beauty of Jeff Saturday. The fact that Jeff Saturday—I'm not going to say one of the few—but is the the for Colts fans should Colts fans be rejoicing because they have a head coach right now that has the respect level of the owner at a high enough level that he actually is able to make decisions without the owner meddling in those decisions because the owner has a love for that head coach that he would not have necessarily elsewhere. I'm not saying against Frank Reich, but just in general.
4: Yeah, I think you're happy, but at the same time, you're worried. What if Jeff Saturday gets a month and a half into this, Jake, and for some reason he just says, you know what, way too much family time. That I'm missing here. That Bristol job was pretty good. Flying up to ESPN two or three days a week was pretty good. Um, I'm making very good money, and honestly... This thing might help him make even more money if he wants to continue down the broadcast route. And he decides to go back to Georgia. And now the Colts are looking for a head coach. And Jim Mercer sent a message to the entire NFL that unless your name's Jeff Saturday, I'm going to be meddling in some pretty important decisions that... If typically a head coach or a GM would make. That That would be concerning. I know we're a ways away, but those are some of the bigger
3: picture things that I think you have to acknowledge. You know what I want to see, Kevin? And you tell me if this is unfair. What I want to see and what I'm hopeful for is that for the first time, what one thing that we have not seen really in the last 20 years, well, probably, i, I let me rephrase that, more like 10 years. I want to see... A head coach general manager combination underneath Jim Irsay with the Indianapolis Colts, a head coach and general manager that are lock stock and barrel, no question about it. Two guys on the same page because the head coach was was interviewed by, selected by, and and hired by the general manager. So you know that those two, without any question, are on the same page. I'm not. In other words, everybody knows Frank Reich was basically Jim Irsay's guy after Josh McDaniel had gone elsewhere and Chris Ballard then had a head coach that the owner actually had brought in. Everybody knows that that Chuck Pagano and Ryan Grigson, the owner, was, said, like, you two play in the sandbox and play nice with one another. I just want to see two guys that enter the sandbox at the same time with the same – and maybe that's going to be the case with Jeff Saturday. But I would think that Chris Ballard's got to be like, yeah, that's, I didn't really hire this guy, though.
4: It was kind of post-game locker room was a little awkward. Ursay's calling up Ballard and Matt Ryan to give the game ball to Jeff Saturday. I'm thinking, if you're Matt Ryan, aren't you like, dude, you benched me?
3: Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, that's that, that was my point yesterday, and I think people misunderstood this, Kevin. But what I said yesterday at the beginning of the game, and I used a bad choice of words, but what I said was, this feels like politics. And I didn't mean... Politics within the Colts, I meant this feels like what we see in politics. What we often see in politics is that somebody who's an elected official makes a decision, it does not go well, and then later they make another decision and people are like, This guy's great because he took care of this problem and I'm like, Yeah, but it's a problem that was that, that he created. It's like a it's almost like a master manipulation where where people create a problem just to later have a problem to overcome to look great. In the case of the Colts, I just I am bewildered why they went with Sam Ellinger for two games because at the very least, it probably cost them one of them and maybe two, and they're in a totally different situation if they don't get away from Matt Ryan. I just don't understand why Matt Ryan was not—why they didn't stay the course with them because, I mean, this is not a guy from off the scrap heap. I mean, this is a pretty good quarterback, and I know that he had his issues. Don't get me wrong, but— I just I will continuously I'm like yeah it's great that they decided to go back to Matt Ryan but why in the hell wasn't he the starter or Nick Foles at the very least to get I agree with what Tony Dungy had said about that
4: I can only imagine what Frank Reich was thinking seeing all that play out over the last 48 hours yeah he
3: was probably thinking well why didn't I get these toys you Um, took them away from me
4: let's take some callers uh Jake your namesake wanted to talk a little offensive line good morning Jake
2: Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, yeah, I just want to say, like, for one thing, great win. Love going to work on a win. But, uh, I, uh, yeah, I think one of the biggest moves of all was the adjustments. I mean, just the obvious adjustments to move Matt Pryor out of that starting lineup. Because I was so confused for weeks. I'm like, why is Matt Pryor in the starting lineup? And I get it, like, their depth's not the greatest. But he just wasn't performing. And I, you put Will Fries in a guy who, you know, played a couple of games last season, looked pretty good, and there you go. He gets in, and all of a sudden, we're running the ball again. We're moving up the field, making a push. And I know we're talking about the Raiders, but the Raiders' defensive line's no joke. I mean, uh, you got Max Crosby there on the end, and I know he had a pretty good game, but just the adjustments itself and I really like the offensive play calling from the new kid up in the box and uh, I we were, ma- we were running plays that work. I mean, it's not the same typical, you know, draw plays or it just, it, every, everything just seems scripted with Frank Reich because I just feel like his play calling was bland. and uh, I just, I really appreciated to see something new, the new adjustments, the things working for that and really good to see those guys pushing
7: uh,
4: guys, up the field, and the- thank you, Jake. Appreciate that. Yeah, Will Fries at right guard, Bernard Ryman at left tackle. So I think another thing, if you if you do care about the long term, those are probably your two youngest options that you're putting into those two spots as well. So that's important for development and growth, and you know, building an offensive line moving forward. Uh, One hit against Matt Ryan all afternoon. That's 28 pass attempts. And even if you take out the huge run by Taylor, I mean Taylor was probably still over four yards per per carry. Um, I thought a little bit more north-south out of him. Um, And, Jake, probably the thing that stood out to me the most, and again, this is something I wanted to see, two things I wanted to see out of Saturday's Colts, urgency to start a game and communication to be better on the O-line. I didn't see any free rushers. I didn't see any, you know, stunts that weren't passed off properly. Like Matt Ryan didn't even have a lot of, you know, collapsing pockets or a lot of pressure where he's just getting rid of it right before a guy hits him. He had a lot of time to operate there and
3: you supported your quarterback unlike you've done this season. It's interesting because everything that we had been concerned about or said were issues for the Colts were all at some point, temporarily, admittedly, given reprieve, you know, Matt Ryan's not mobile enough to handle an offensive line that can't block for him. What's he do? He turns out to look like Carl Lewis down the sidelines <laughs> for 40 yards. You know what I mean? Every single thing that had been an issue over the course of the year, they had like a little moment of a reprieve of, hey, that's not an issue, for for at least for right now, right? You know- the best medicine in the National Football League is the Las Vegas Raiders.
4: No, that's very true, which you don't usually think about going to Las Vegas for medicine. Well, I guess that's maybe true. some other types of medicine. that you. <laughs> your,
3: hey, that's your Super Bowl team, man. I
4: know, oh God. Only if they stop that for the third quarter. Maybe that would be the best bet. That Was, their, was that their sixth one-score loss of the season? Yeah. I mean, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, it's an absolute shame that they are stuck.
5: Were you uh, watching that game and just like, Raiders? what the hell was I thinking when I picked them as yeah. Super
4: Bowl picks? W- without question. And the boobers for Josh McDaniels. Well, I, I, I'm shocked he's still still employed right now.
5: Well, it's only like, what, 5 a.m. over there right now? Did you
4: see Derek Carr? I mean, incredibly emotional after the game.
3: Here's an interesting story that we'll get to from Ian Rappaport. Did you see this? I'm not sure when this came out. Uh, 6 o'clock this morning which we'll get to maybe later in the program, but Ian Rappaport basically saying, uh, in terms of the Jeff Saturday move, there was so much controversy, that's for lack of a better phrase, I guess, but so much pushback about Jeff Saturday being the guy that Jim Mersey tabbed to be the interim head coach from a national standpoint. Apparently, some of that backlash, according to this article of Ian Rappaport, may have come even from within the building on West 56th. But Kevin, you know, we haven't really gotten to, and maybe it doesn't even merit us spending a lot of time on it, but the Bill Cowher comments that everybody saw yesterday were, uh, look, I understand if people want to push their chest out about the fact that yesterday proved that Jeff Saturday is capable of winning a game as an interim head coach for the Colts. Totally agree and you have two people that you're listening to on this radio program that were on board with that and if you want to like spit your ire at those who question jeff saturday's hiring that's cool but you don't need to do it here because you didn't hear it on this radio program i'm not saying that we're sitting here jumping up and down like the bay city roller spelling out saturday night but at the same time we are two guys that were like hey I, okay, I mean, let, let's see what happens here. I, I got no problem with it. We obviously both like Jeff Saturday. He was a regular contributor to this program. In terms of Bill Cowher, all I would say to that is, sorry, man, I, you know, I apologize that the Colts decided to go against the grain and break up your old man's boys club. Right. Which yeah. is what NFL, the same tired retread, Head coaches, let's go nine and eight every year with some other dude that you know, let's go get Ron Rivera for the seventeenth installment. Jeff Fisher around? Yeah, exactly. sorry that we broke up your old your old crusty boys club, which is exactly what they did by hiring Jeff Saturday on an interim basis, albeit. And Isn't you, it funny how would've... though that Cowers,
5: you know, because of his head coaching experience, he got a media job. Over someone who's been in media
3: for years? Well, I saw, you know, a lot of people were saying that and they're like, yeah, but I would rather hear from a head coach talking about how to coach an NFL game than a talking head who's done it forever. And I'm like, "That that's cool, but what about a coach that was working, what about a coach that was working at a, at a lower level local broadcast position that aspired to become a national broadcaster? Bill Cowher, if anything, when it comes to, I, I get the fact and respect his knowledge of football. I wouldn't say that he's necessarily a... Gifted broadcaster or communicator, right? You right.
4: would have thought the Colts hired some convicted felon with how worked up. Coward What's was Jeffrey
5: on Dahmer doing on the
4: side. Yeah, lines? I mean, he, he God, was worked
3: dude, up. Is right. It's just like, dude, it's whatever. So
4: exhausting, frankly. Um, all right, let's go to David. David, want to talk about Parks Fraser yesterday. What's
2: up, David? Hey guys, thanks for letting me come on. Um, real quick, when
6: Jeff Saturday did that press conference with the owner and the GM. No doubt in my mind, he had Matt Ryan in his eyes. In his mind, he's going to start Saturday, Sunday because you're not going to have a 30-year-old kid redo re- everything on Friday night. You know what I mean? Jeff Saturday had a great poker face during that thing, and he knew what he was doing, and they knew they was going to start Matt Ryan, and I applaud him for it, and I love it for it. You know what I mean? So you're saying
3: you think Jeff Saturday knew that Matt Ryan was who he was immediately going to go to?
2: I'm saying,
6: when when he got that job, Orton to get that job, he's going to say, "I want Matt Ryan to play," or he don't want that job. He ain't going to come in with the rookie uh, quarterback.
3: Yeah, that's for fair. His
6: games. I mean, that's Does a that fair that's
3: a fair assessment. I think. I don't know. I have no idea whether that's the actuality of what took place, but it would certainly seem logical that that would be. Yeah,
4: and, and my only the question situation. is, why wasn't Frank Reich afforded the same opportunity?
3: You know. Well, that's what I said. Should Colts fans now rejoice that there is a head coach that apparently Jim Irsay respects enough to let him make his own decisions?
4: I'm Again, not... Jim Ursay demanded the benching of Matt Ryan for Sam Ellinger, and he wanted it to happen a lot. He wanted it to happen earlier than it did. He wanted it to happen early October. Is when he wanted that to occur. And that's again a little bit more, a little bit more bigger picture with everything about the Colts organization. Um, but right now, I think there's no arguing this. And I get there are some fans. You know, I've had people tweet at me like, "Hey, you know, I care about draft position." You look at yesterday, what the Steelers win, the Lions win. Um, you know, some teams that are, you know, struggling right now get some wins yesterday. The Colts could have moved up in the draft position world, but I think Jim Irsay. Once he hired Jeff Saturday, Jake, he thought to himself, okay. I believe in this so much, and I want this to work out so much, I don't think he was there with Frank Reich anymore. He wants this to work out, he was willing to say, okay, all sacrifice here in the short term, we can go back to Matt Ryan, even though I disagreed with that a month ago, because I want Jeff Saturday to work out, and I'm going to give him everything available To him, whereas I didn't with the previous head coach.
3: Kevin, so I had said that we were going to get to this later, but I I want to get to it now just because I think it's interesting, and it just literally came out. Ian Rappaport, NFL.com, had the following to say in a column about Jeff Saturday's interim hire, and I'm going to read directly, okay? The unorthodox hire was met with intense scrutiny both inside and outside the building. Colts president Pete Ward and general manager Chris Ballard, among others, spoke with Ursay and expressed their reservations. Sources say the Colts have former head coaches, John Fox and Gus Bradley on staff, as well as a rising star and special teams coordinator, Bubba Ventrone. But sources say Ursay was hellbent on hiring Saturday who revealed that Ursa called him during last Sunday's loss to the Patriots to ask about Indianapolis problems on the offensive line. To me, that does not, when you consider that you have an NFL writer for NFL.com saying that Chris Ballard, had questions about that hire and then that hire was solidified by Jim Mercer by beating the guy that Chris Ballard had originally tabbed as the Colts head coach. I'm not saying that spells Chris Ballard's, you know, I think Jeff Saturday pointed out Chris Ballard if I'm not mistaken in the post game, but still I would not be real comfortable with that if I'm Chris Ballard.
4: Yeah, and just to clarify, I think that came out Sunday morning. Um, I don't want people to think, like, oh, bon. I thought it was
3: this morning at 6 o'clock. Did I read that wrong? I believe it was yesterday.
4: Yeah, that's kind of the big NFL pregame shows. Here comes our news. You know, Schefter does it, Rappaport does it. Um, yeah, that was.
3: Oh, sorry. You know, okay, sorry.
4: NFL, um, NFL Network from Munich there with their pregame show. But yeah, everything in there, um, that's what I've heard, is that the upper management of the Colts organization.
3: It surprises me that Pete Ward's name would be mentioned in that.
4: Yeah, do you think that's what? A Ballard source saying to Rappaport, hey, you know, Pete and I disagreed with it?
3: If you're Chris Ballard, though, what what is to be gained by you saying, that's a huge gamble, right? You
4: telling the rest of the NFL that your owner's not treating you with the same sort of voice that you previously had? You want the rest of the league to know that the decision-making in Indianapolis is purely the owner? Well, that was on display last Monday during the press conference. Right. And again, this gets back to, Jake, the conversation last week of like, you're Chris Bow, you're under contract through 2026. but And this would be a very difficult thing to do, but do you think to yourself, my voice is gone here. Absolutely gone. It feels that way, does it not? Should I resign? And again, that's a big question, not necessarily one we need to be having um, on this Monday, but I do think that is something that I've thought about in relation to Ballard. And I know there's a lot of fans out there that say, good, leave. Um, but I—that that is something I've thought about a lot here over the last couple days. All right, let's hit a uh, morning check down.
1: The morning check down brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
4: Should we get the Pacers? Yeah, why not? Back to 500. They beat the Raptors on Saturday night. They were down big. That was a game, like, coming into that game, I'm thinking, the Pacers should win this. Raptors on a second night of a back-to-back. They played a bunch of road games in the previous week. Um, They're missing Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam. Uh, the Pacers, though, get down early, and they come back, outscore Toronto 36-14 to in the fourth quarter. Benedict Mather and Tyrese Halburn, neither of them shot it great from the field. Uh, but big assist numbers. 18 combined assists for those two. Halliburton had 15 of them. Um, and the Pacers come back to beat the Raptors 118-104. Jake, you look at this upcoming schedule. Uh, it's pretty manageable before they head out west. they got some time to kick their feet up, right?
3: Uh, yeah, they don't play until
4: Wednesday. And then I believe their next six games are all against teams under five hundred right now.
3: Uh, at Houston on Friday and the next week. Orlando on back-to-back nights, Minnesota and Brooklyn, or not back-to-back nights, back-to-back games with the Magic and uh, Brooklyn. Last night, by the way, speaking to the NBA to put a bow tie on that huge night from Joel Embiid. 105-98, the Sixers beat the Jazz, but 59 points, 11 boards for Joel Embiid. That was the story of the night last night in the NBA. Washington, Minnesota, Oklahoma City, Denver, Sacramento, and the Lakers all getting wins. Today.
4: How about Jeff Brahms, Purdue Boilermakers? They go to Champaign on Saturday. They What a wild season
3: for... So do they control Purdue. their own destiny? Because every team in the Big Ten West is tied, right? So no one no one controls it, I believe is how things
4: are. It will naturally unfold because all these teams play each other. What Purdue needs is this. Well, if they win out, they go to Indianapolis, right? Um, they, they still need help. Purdue has got Northwestern and Indiana. Okay. So you need to win those two. Iowa has Minnesota and Nebraska. You need Iowa to lose one of those two. Okay, so that's what you need. You beat Northwestern Indiana. Iowa loses to Minnesota or Northwest or or um, or Nebraska, and you go to the Big Ten. So title
3: Purdue am. is a Minnesota fan right now.
4: Minnesota and or Nebraska in that order. Nebraska, Minnesota this Nebraska ain't
3: beating anybody. Eh. Nebraska couldn't beat. Have you seen Iowa this year? Sometimes they couldn't it's... beat Wabash, which is what DePaul did, and I told you all week last week. Never sleep on DePaul. Oh God, this is exhausting. Marvin's GCBs. I'm telling you, the Dannys, Dan Quayle, DePauw, Tigers always fight. I told you not to sleep on DePaul, and they ring, 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 ding, ding, ding. They win the bell 49-15. What a route! Yeah, how about that?
1: In the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that
3: upper quartile. I mean, DePaul's. thats rare here. His rare air. Uh
4: 4914, like you said, in a snowy Monon Bell game. Uh, tonight, you've got Butler and Penn State and hoops. That is the Gavitt Games. Indiana uh, has got Xavier later this week. Purdue's got Marquette. So those are those Big Ten, uh, Big East matchups there. And tomorrow, do we have Jay bells tomorrow, Mark? Working on it. Working on it, okay. Uh, Jake, tomorrow's the Champions Classic over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. That's tomorrow? Tomorrow night, yes. Yeah, so Pacers not... Uh, back in action till Wednesday, and that's actually on the road. Uh, but yeah, Kentucky and Michigan State at 7, and Duke and Kansas
3: at 930. College basketball in full swing, and that includes Notre Dame, who's 2-0, defeating Youngstown State, 88-81. Southern Indiana Valpo also wins over the weekend.
4: Alright, we'll take your calls. 317-239-1070. Your thoughts on yesterday? We'll read some fan tweets of the game. Um, it is a chilly, but a really nice start to this Monday here in Indianapolis. Kevin Aquari, 935 seven
0: five The Fan. 8.30. 830- Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at K-I-S-Q-A-L-I and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
4: 34 on a Monday. I know I've brought it up a few times, but I, the Stefan Gilmore play to end the game, you know, is going to get all the attention and it's fourth down and it's, Man coverage, Gus Bradley brought a ton of pressure on that play, and I think it was almost Derek Carr. He had Foster Moreau, it looked like, over the middle, but I think it was Derek Carr just kind of unable to see that and said, all right, I'm, I'm going to throw it up to uh, Devontae Adams and make sure that he, you know, our best player has a chance to go up and get it. But that third down play by Bobby Okereke, I mean, Foster Moreau had that touchdown. Okereke gets beat, and all of a sudden he comes in and just perfect on-target punch of the ball, knocks that ball out, um, and that set up the fourth down, which then Gilmore had the great coverage on
3: Adams for that incompletion. I think Bobby O'Karake has probably played and answered the bell as well as anybody in terms of... The expectation of who he was or what he was coming into the season and getting the most out of himself to, I'm not going to say the most difficult of situations because, you know, he's a guy that had a lot of reps. It's not like he was just off the street, Kevin, but he's just done a really nice job of not trying to be Shaquille Leonard, but rather just do what he does and maintain, I think, a nice status quo. At that position in the absence of one of the most dynamic players in the league in Shaquille Leonard.
4: And we can get a little bit more into this maybe tomorrow, Jake, because we did have the Shaquille Leonard news on Friday of him going on injured reserve. I believe he's off to L.A. today to see a neck spine specialist for where he's at right now with clearly, and he said this last week, just the regeneration of those nerves not firing for him. But you've got Bobby Okereke as a free agent. You've got EJ Speed as a free agent. How you handle linebacker will be an off-season storyline to keep an eye on. And, I mean, with Leonard, I, I think we don't see him the rest of this season, right?
3: It wouldn't appear as though.
4: In IR, you got to miss at least four games. I mean, so, he, he could return in late December. But, um, again, that can be a topic we can save for later in the week. And, by the way, Zayer Franklin, another... A really strong day. He, he just looks faster on the field than I remember. I feel like he blows up so many screens. Zaire Franklin. He lead this team in tackles. Yep, again yesterday, ten of them.
3: Johnny on the spot, or the spot goes to Johnny. I don't know, but but again, way. the guy
4: that's been you know more of a special teamer throughout Listen. his career and then stepped up really really nicely. Uh, that is a position, and again, the Ballard future. Uh, that, that cloud hangs over. But that's a position that Chris Ballard has proven he can find guys at various rounds
3: of uh, of the draft. Another guy, Kevin, to be fair, to be fair to Chris Ballard as well, another guy that, that has elevated his game and is be, is starting to become finally the player that I think it was anticipated uh, to be is Paris Campbell.
4: Yes. Kudos to Paris Campbell. And we should have him on at some point this week. All right, Mark, who should we go with?
5: Uh, let's roll with the guy who's been in here longest. Let's go with Michael. Michael. Good Monday morning, Michael.
7: Yeah. I mean, I, and I've had to learn this like in my own professional career and kindness is weakness. And I always felt that with Frank. I feel like he's a super kind man and a great guy, but I felt like with him, his motto to the team was, we'll try your best. And there's always next week. That's all we can ask for. And I felt like with Saturday, he comes from that era of Colts player where the expectation isn't do your best, but excellence. And I felt like Saturday came in, delegated a lot of the coaching duties out to the coaches who were on the staff, who are, you know, Cower thinks is definitely qualified for the head coach. Um, but I think he delegated that out. But I thought he led the men in a way that I saw things. I noticed it's bothered me a lot this season where when a guy gets knocked down or he gets tackled, a lot of the teammates, aside from Quentin, don't come over and help get a guy off the ground. And, like, EJ Speed, I've noticed in multiple games, has his hand out waiting for somebody to help him get up. And the opposing team will help him get up. Yesterday I saw every play when a guy was on the ground, one of the other Colts players was coming up, helping him get up, tapping him on the helmet. They just felt more together and more of a cohesive unit. Like, they were out there fighting for the horseshoe, fighting for the guy next to him. Yeah. And I, I I noticed that fire in them. That I haven't seen all you wonder how much of that is, Michael. It's
3: a great point. You wonder how much of that is just like the power of suggestion, right? Where you're looking for something that's different and maybe it, you know, that it happened all of a sudden something that has happened a lot. And now you're noticing it for the first time. But Jeff Saturday yesterday spoke to exactly kind of what you're talking about, Michael. And it sounds like he agrees everybody, um, from offense, defense, and, and Bubba obviously on, on, on special teams, these guys, they rallied and, and and um it's just it's a special moment for all of those guys and I tip my hat to all of them. Um it's it's just it's it's an honor to be a part of it.
4: You know, there's a word, Jake, that Sam Ellinger said last week about Jeff Saturday's first team meeting that really struck me. Um I wasn't shocked to hear guys say high energy, juice, intensity. I mean, hell, we feel that when Saturday joins the show um, every Monday. But Sam Ellinger used the word transparent. Jeff Saturday walked in that first team meeting last Wednesday, and he acknowledged the elephant in the room. One of the first things he said to those guys were, I get it. This looks weird. My resume does not say I should be standing in front of you right now. But I have this incredible care for the organization and leadership, and I'm going to try and earn your trust, and we're going to delegate things um, as a coaching staff, and I'm going to be more of that CEO, more of that leader, and we'll see how it goes. And I think that just initial first impression of saying to guys, I have sat in those seats before, and I totally understand where people would be skeptical of me being here. I thought that set the exact tone that he needed to. And when you do that, and then you let your genuine character and personality play out, which we all know Jeff Saturday has, guys are going to walk out of there and be like, hey, I can get behind this guy. This this isn't somebody coming in here and being like, you guys suck, this is what we're going to do, you know, this, that, that," all, all those things. I just thought Saturday handled it initially really, really well.
3: Kevin, why, I I, want to emphasize this here, because a lot of people have said, well, Matt Ryan didn't play the last two weeks just because he was hurt. They had said, right, that the injury was not the reason for his benching, correct? Correct, yes. Mm -hmm. Is it unfair to speculate where they would be had they not benched him? No, I mean, I think Marcus Brady and Frank Wright could still be here was was that move made just to give a crack in the door to be able to make those coaching moves yeah somebody's asking me that boy that's
4: uh, you're giving jim Ursay a lot of chess piece credit right there aren't you and that'd be pretty shady by Ursayer. i think Ursay legitimately thought in in that time that sam ellinger was an upgrade over matt ryan yeah that's and let's be honest jim Ursa, or uh, matt ryan was a turnover machine when we last saw him no Undoubtedly The worst play he made yesterday though Was the third down sack And it was a bad play I thought he should have just thrown it at, Either thrown it to Ky- Kylan Granton or throw it at his feet But the 40 yard um, run though Boy he looked like Lamar Jackson on the sack He thought he was Lamar Jackson on the sack I should say backpedaling and backpedaling um, And then he took off in the open field I was just kind of waiting For something to go wrong on that 40 yard scramble Am I the only one? No, you're not. Are you
3: kidding? I'm like, is he gonna pull a hamstring here? I was like, get <laughs> down! It get out. reminded me, <laughs> what are you wasn't, doing? wasn't this it against tear- the Raiders when Manning had the the yeah. famous bootleg? Uh-huh. Wasn't it against the Raiders?
4: I'm like, Matt Ryan's gonna tear his hamstring right here, and he's gonna get all that injury guarantee for next season. It's like slide, man. You got the first down. That's <laughs> good. Enough. And then I think, is, is he gonna fumble? Somebody from uh, from behind on that one. Ah, uh, where should we go, Mark? Let's
2: go to uh, Mo. Mo. Good to hear from you, Mo. Hey. hey, how's it going? Good win. I don't care how anybody cuts it. There's a win's a win. win. Um, here's what I had. I, I wondered, you know, first off, I, Jeff Saturday had, had been in one of these situations in the past when he had come in to help Robert Kraft in the uh, the lockout. I, my understanding was that he was one of the calming people in there that got people to sit down and negotiate. I, and I wondered if that was, was part of his unwritten resume kind of sort of the other one was i wondered how much ursay at his wits end because you know he had lost some big mental games he lost the Tennessee twice Jacksonville shut out we got shut out New England who's been a nemesis of us forever in Washington and what went on there how much of it was ursay just jumping the gun and just going off and then Saturday coming in and just being the person that kind of leveled him out
3: well that's the thing Mo that I said is is do we have in Indianapolis now a coach that has earned the respect immediately or has the respect immediately of Jim Irsay to the point where he has an autonomy that other coaches did not have and I it's hard to argue against that It certainly feels that way, does it not? That that Jeff Saturday, partially because of the way in which he's been brought in. Jeff Saturday's playing with house money to an extent, right? So Jeff Saturday can probably say to Jim Irsay, like, "Nah, man, I'm not doing that. I'll come in and I'll I'll coach your team so long as the following happens. As opposed to an established coach that's been there a couple years that's coaching for his job. And has to do what the owner wants. You know, maybe Ursay looked at it and said, You screwed up Carson
4: Wentz, and I'm stepping in now. I'm not giving you another chance at quarterback. The Matt Ryan thing is not going well. I'm going to step in and do something because I'm still so pissed about Wentz. Maybe that's part of it. Not not to say that I agree with how
3: it was handled, but maybe that is part of it. Uh, this for Michael. Hey, Jake, Matt Ryan did look a little like Lamar if it was a slow mo replay. <laughs> fair enough yeah
4: exactly on that um let's go to brian brian good morning
8: hey guys hey guys can you hear me all right yep yep yep. hey uh wanted to say i've been an apathetic colts fan for probably the last two years uh before that just absolute diehard almost all my life since like kindergarten what what was
3: the (laughs) transformation what was the reason for that transformation
8: kind of like a multitude of things whenever you know right before right when covid started when everything got political and i don't know i just i didn't feel like that little kid fan anymore so just lost interest and pretty much turned it off lately even found myself almost rooting against him so i actually as weird as jim ursay is i would laud him on yesterday bringing back people like me that just finally had some excitement for the colts again
3: Hey, he'd love to hear that, man. I mean, that's cool. Now, the question, I guess, becomes, does that enthusiasm maintain, Kevin? Not only for fans, but for the players under Jeff Saturday. Yeah, the Raiders aren't there. Time will tell, right?
4: The Raiders aren't there every week on the schedule. So, that is the next step. But in a week really unlike any other, um, I think celebrating a win, uh, well-deserved. And I feel like, to the earlier question that we had about you know, Colts players were just picking each other up off the turf. I mean, you watch that game, and it was so easy. I mean, just read body language. So easy to see a Raiders team that was much more dysfunctional, much more broken, uh, lack cohesion, whatever you want to call it, than the Colts. And I felt like when you got that 10 nothing lead, honestly, the only reason I feel like the Raiders even got into that football game was the Kiki Kuti fumble if Kuti doesn't cough that ball up i think i mean Colts are on their way to go up 17 nothing and i'm not sure if the raiders ever recover you gave them a l- little bit of life there and then obviously it turned into a lot of game pressure and kind of back and forth moments didn't it from feel there.
3: like in the beginning of that game for the first quarter and a half that the that the Colts were just kind of going to control the game oh certainly and then you know it It was kind of a momentum swing game, but I I don't know. It it always felt like they had things pretty much like they just had a composure and energy about them, and and Kevin, again, I don't think we can say enough about that offensive line either. I mean, they, as much maligned as they have been, as much as we have – knocked and and kicked and mocked the offensive line yesterday, was that was their finest performance.
4: I mean, I felt like the Colts were going to win that game. Really, the one moment that I thought, the Raiders are actually going to come back and win this is when Pittman fumbled. But in true Raiders fashion, they tried to scoop the fumble. Right. Instead of diving on it, that gave the Colts life. And How about that three-play sequence? You had the Matt Ryan looking like Usain Bolt in the open field. Pittman fumble
3: and the Campbell touchdown. How about the Campbell touchdown where he kind of extended that play? I mean I know, you know, Campbell was a guy that that was originally thought of as he was going to be like a TY Hilton type receiver and he has turned into a really good middle field receiver and a, a, I mean give him credit. Written off by a lot of people and he's kind of like when he was he's Paris Campbell right now as a receiver, Kevin, is kind of like when he was in the knockout game with us at the Pacers game. You look around, and just when you would forgot about him, he was still there, right?
4: I think we've seen a few more of the big plays out of him recently. Um, was it the Washington game where he took the reverse for 30-some yards and took the screen for a big gain as well? You know, Yesterday, that was a you know, nice catch over the middle of the field, but then his speed does the rest and turning that into you know, a 15-yard completion to a 35-yarder and a touchdown in a moment there where if you settle for a field goal, then the Raiders just need a field goal to win that. Um, I do want to get into Parks Frazier, the day that he had yesterday, a 30-year-old play caller. I thought a really strong performance and pretty much a man of his word. He said he'd sim- simplify things, did that. I'm also trying to think of the timelines here. You know, Did he have a Sam Ellinger game plan in place for a large chunk of the week and have to alter it late in the week? We can chat more about that coming up. Again, Kevin Aquari right here on a Monday at 93.5 The Fan.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
4: I think of the big three, Jeff Saturday, Matt Ryan, Parks Frazier, I was most impressed by what Parks gave the Colts yesterday and just kind of simplifying things. I thought they were very committed to getting the ball out quick. I think Matt Ryan got it out third fastest of anybody in the NFL in Week 10. Um, Simplified things. I mean, you saw it on the first and goal, (laughs) not even messing around, just boom, Matt Ryan, QB sneak, and you get off to that 7-0 start. Um, helped out in pass protection. I thought they chipped Max Crosby a good amount. Kind of keeping more guys in to protect, making sure that, all right, when the offensive line has supported Matt Ryan, go back to that Jags game, the passing game has found good rhythm. And I think you saw that yesterday. Uh, And then a big commitment to Jonathan Taylor. I thought Joe Wright made a great point. When Taylor... um, busted that big run and that's middle of the third quarter the Raiders are down to their 17th linebacker it seemed like you were waiting for the Colts to break one um, and you did it there so I thought just a really nice simplifying things exposing the Raiders for a lack of a pass rush really banged up at linebacker And uh, easily your most balanced offensive day of the
3: season. I think, having not been in the locker room, the perception that I gathered from it all is that Jeff Saturday's biggest kudos that I would give to him yesterday, Kevin, is that he allowed those coaches who have been hired to coach certain areas of the team to do exactly that. And he operated as a CEO of the franchise as opposed to necessarily the head coach. Parks Frazier... You're a guy that's been around this offense. You would know it better than I. You call the plays, and and I trust that you can do it well. You know, Each of the different coaches throughout the roster, it, it seemed as though Jeff Saturday just said, hey, man, you're here. I get it. I understand your guys' hesitation with me. You're here to do a job. I'm confident you can do it, so let's let everybody independently do what they do, and then we'll come back and reconvene to see how things work out. And... It worked out for him.
4: Let me set the tones, and you guys concentrate on the X's and O's. Correct. Um, Again, the CEO approach, uh, long believe that is the most important aspect to an NFL head coach, and I do think the Colts have that. We'll obviously see how it all unfolds um, in a long, long way to go, but um, certainly reaped some of those benefits yesterday. All right, 9 o'clock hour coming up next. We will get to our fan tweets of the game And I continue to take your call. 317-239-1070. Colts beat the Raiders twenty five twenty yesterday.
0: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com Ryan under center. First and goal for the Colts.
1: Taylors his lone back. It's a quarterback keeper for Matt Ryan. No signal yet. And yes, he is. Touchdown, Matt Ryan. Third and three for the Colts. Raiders 20, Colts 19. Colts back to the line of scrimmage. Out of the gun, Matt Ryan to pass. Has time. Shuffled out. And he's going to take off and run. He's got a first down and more. 35, 40, 45. Cuts back 50. Still going down the far sideline. And he's tripped up inside the Raider 40. Matt Ryan. Looked like an Olympic sprinter down the far sideline. Line to throw, crossing pattern inside the 20 to go to the Colts. 10 at the 5, and they will score a touchdown with Paris Campbell. The crowd gasping for air here with anticipation. Fourth and 7 at the 16-yard line. Backs the throw, giving Brown. Throws downfield into the end zone, and it's broken up by the Colts. Stephon Gilmore.
2: This one for Mr. Gilmore.
1: Devontae Adams, the intended receiver, and no flags on the play, and the Raiders have turned it over on downs with under a minute to go. In the land of gambling, gamble, gamble, gamble. Make up play, man. Who goes hardest the longest, man? That's how this game is decided. The most physical football team won today. Can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Hey, Parks, congrats, man.
8: Yeah,
3: luck be a lady tonight just at some point can we get enough colts wins that jim ursay has enough practice in doing the post-win videos to realize that he should do it further away from the jet when the engine's roaring or
5: can you not put the engines on yet do the video before <laughs> the engines that's just a thought well i thought that was the best audio we've gotten all year so similar to the
4: colts strides in the right direction from the owner right <laughs>
3: gamble 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 you know that sounds In the like land of gambling, gamble, gamble, gambles. That that sounds for some reason around Thanksgiving time it's like gobble 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 boom, gamble gamble gamble. That that's right up there with Chris Ballard and unfortunately the Alex Pierce audio uh has been relegated further down the line where we've almost forgotten about that, right? No catches for Pierce yesterday. You know what they have to say four, about four that. More Alex Pierce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's
5: so bad. It's still there.
4: You know, I think fittingly, Urse the audio and the post-game video, starting to improve uh, right after his team, for the first time all year, has a lead after the first, second, third, and fourth quarters in a game. Um, Again, your opponent has something to do with this, but without question, the Colts were the better coach team yesterday. I thought the penalty stat, Jake, was very indicative of where two teams are at right now. The Colts had four for 25, I think three of those by the offensive line. Uh, The Raiders had 10 for 74. 49-yard difference in penalties when the game is decided that closely. That, to me, was the difference in the game. More discipline. Jeff Saturday's team, much more disciplined than Josh McDaniel's group. Boy. Did the Colts dodge one when Josh McDaniels bailed or what? Man, I... I was somewhat curious to see what would happen, it, 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 the the pairing of him and Andrew Luck, and um, looks like I couldn't be more dead wrong on that. Seven and twenty four as a head coach, is that right? Man,
3: I mean, admittedly, his first go round, he was in a tough spot, but still, I. And they've got like some really special talent
4: at some key spots. In Crosby they do. and Adams, and and
3: I think again, I think Derek Carr's a good player. I do, yeah. But boy, Jeff Saturday was right. The Raiders are terrible. But yesterday, to me, represented three things. Number one, it represented for Colts fans uh, a reason to get back to having Pep in your step on a Monday because the Colts won. And that's good news for everybody in this town.
4: Yeah, that was a jolt. Jeff Saturday gave them a jolt.
3: Number two, it represented a wind of change within the organization for right now because a lot of the things that in particular Chris Ballard had stood by they got away from and number three it seemed as though they had a head coach that was able to look at the owner in the eye and say no actually I I, this is what I want to do and this is how we're going to do it and Jim Merce allowed the head coach to do that and by that, I mean at the quarterbacking position, because I cannot deny that in watching that game, I wasn't thinking to myself, why did they go to that odd two-game experiment with Sam Ellinger, and why did they not continue to give Matt Ryan and work on the resources that allowed a guy who clearly is you know, a, a veteran player to try to keep Indianapolis in the hunt as opposed to going to a guy that was not ready yet to play and cost him two games? Those are the things that that I took from yesterday. And in terms of the, as I said before the game, we can sit here and, or nationally or whatever else, praise the Colts for going back to Matt Ryan and salvaging something with him, except for the fact that that was a dilemma that shouldn't have been a dilemma from the get-go. At the very least, they should have gone to Nick Foles, and I, I will maintain that I don't know that it's the answer, but I am curious as to whether or not Jim Irsay's flexibility of being able to go allowing Jeff Saturday and the Colts to go back to Matt Ryan wasn't somewhat subliminally or subconsciously fueled by having Tony Dungy on national television questioning the Colts' odd decision to get away from it.
4: I'd like to think Jeff Saturday would not be influenced by comments like that.
3: I don't think Saturday would, would Ursay.
4: I I think when Jim Ursay says to Jeff Saturday, we want you to be the head coach for the final eight games, one of the first things Jeff Saturday has got to say to him is, do I have the
3: full Correct. autonomy of... That's cool, but are you going to make me play a rookie yeah, quarterback? Playing
4: yeah. time. And Jeff was clear, ve- very clear on Friday in the press conference. Again, I asked him, I was like, is Matt Ryan going to be your backup on Sunday? And he started waffling then, and I had heard some whispers up until that point that Matt Ryan had been taking some first-team reps, and it might not be exactly what it sounded like last Monday with Sam Ellinger. uh, But Saturday made it very clear. He would be the decision-maker at quarterback. I would add this, Jake, to the points that you just laid out. Yesterday, to me, was a reminder in the short term of when you have competent to better-than-competent play from the highest paid offensive line in the NFL you can move the football very consistently because yesterday what your offensive line gave Matt Ryan hit one time in 28 pass attempts that kept him away from the turnover type plays that kept him out of some of those moments again the sack that he took was awful and it could have been very very costly but that still ended with a kick it didn't end with a turnover and that was absolutely vital because I think back to last Monday's press conference and a question that I had for Chris Bauer that wasn't able to get in was, you know, we are here last Monday night because of the highest paid offensive line failing and letting down so many people in that organization. That's a big, big reason why Matt Ryan was benched in the first place, why Marcus Brady's no longer here, why Frank Reich is no longer here, why Naheem Hines was traded, et etc., cetera, et cetera. Yesterday, again, against a front that has names, but ranks dead last in the NFL in pass rush, your offensive line can join the line of scrimmage was a reminder of, like, if you are able to solidify that group, you can finally look like an above-average offense. And we just haven't seen it. I mean, outside of the Jacksonville game, and even that Jacksonville game, that was all no huddle, you know, committing to throw. Yesterday was literally, I think it was 200 and... 207 rushing yards and 208 passing yards. Balance that offensive coordinator's dream of, let alone a 30-year-old in his first career
3: start, the, first uh, career play call. The ability the time that Matt Ryan had the the, the the heck for that matter Kevin, we haven't even touched on this. How about Jordan Wilkins and I know that, you know, I don't know how many carries he had, but I here's a guy that that hadn't played football in a year and yet when he was getting the ball you saw that that all you had to do was get him to the line and then he's going to be able to get you know 4 or 5 yards beyond that and and the line held to even be able to get him to be able to run hard and spring spring yardage and then obviously goes without saying Jonathan Taylor all he needs is that split second to get to the linebackers and it's over right and that's exactly what we saw
4: you know for an offense that and yesterday, it's not like we saw the passing offense just open things up vertically. I mean, it was a very, again, simplified dink and dunk. Ryan got it out. Third quickest of any QB in the NFL yesterday. So you weren't going to take a ton of shots down the field. But a big reason why you felt like Jonathan Taylor was worthy of a second-round pick, because again, that's a big deal. The draft of running back that high was because of the 66-yarders we saw yesterday or the big play to ice the game with New England last year, and that's been missing. I mean, you haven't even had a normal semblance of a run game, but for an offense that is void of big-time plays in the passing game, you've got to try and get some of that out of the run game, and you haven't. But yesterday, uh, of course, the Matt Ryan scramble, um, we all can laugh at, but that was a huge, huge play. Taylor turning that you know, 10, 15-yard gain into
3: 66, is something this offense has missed. Uh, this question from Jeff on Twitter. Hey, Jake, did you say that Sam cost the Colts those last two games? I'm not saying Sam Ellinger specifically and entirely and exclusively cost him the two games, but he denied them the opportunity to win them. How's that? I feel like Ellinger played better in that Washington
4: game. I know you were in Europe for that one. No, but, but I, I, I actually. I felt like I, mean, Ellinger I watched the played, whole game. He I didn't felt like play Ellinger terrible. Play, he didn't better. play
3: terrible. But again, it just. It was such an odd move, and I think I think you could see while while I'm not saying that Sam Allinger is not liked and trusted and uh, or uh, excuse me not liked and respected by his teammates. I think you could see from a lot of the players on the roster, like, wait a minute, what? Like that's a major move to go from a starter to an unproven third string quarterback who. There was discussion during camp whether or not he would even make the roster. To make that move in the middle of the season, I think to a lot of the roster, it just was like, wait, what are we doing? And it it just kind of put like a cog in the wheel. And then to go back to Matt Ryan, which was going back to what they, in my opinion, never should have deviated from. And I know that Matt Ryan had turnover problems and wasn't playing well fine but at the very least nick Foles would have been if they wanted to to truly show to the rest of the roster they were still invested for this season that to me is where i would have gone
4: my wife's a big fan of the dax shepherd podcast i'm not sure if this is that man but dax joins us now i think to talk colt's offensive line good morning dax
8: good morning here's to the paul boys here's to our school here's to the place where good feelings rule we will sing praises to our school O T B U here's to
3: you. Is that the DePaul fight song? Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I, I on, was the- Dax, I was in on them from the very get-go. Oh, I, I knew Jake I mean you knew that was going to gonna be the case, right? I mean that that was GCBs, Marvins. I love my, my I got family in Cloverdale, which is over in that oh, area. Well, I was all about hey. it, man.
8: Hey, man, look, I'm, I've been, I've been uh, pushing DePaul. My son is 18 years old. He's about to um, graduate from North Central High School. Hell, You're our Panthers. Al-Mata, by the way. Um, and uh, I, I've been pushing DePaul for 18 years. And the re- big reason why he's going to DePaul is because of the GCBs. I'm telling <laughs> you. It, it, <laughs>
3: Hell, yeah, Dex. It,
8: Hell, it, yeah. It, 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 it's a big draw hey uh by the way uh Jake I'm glad you landed on your feet man I was the guy that came up to you last year when you uh were um, inducted into the wall of fame saying that you needed to get a job uh more than somebody else that was already on the uh, on the on
3: on the radio so well I appreciate uh, I that man I appreciate that <laughs>
8: um I think something that you guys you guys kind of beat me to the punch um, we, you can't emphasize the importance of the play of the offensive line yesterday. Uh, I mean, it, it, I'm an old defensive lineman, and I'm telling you, it starts in the trenches. Um, and that goes for any any team. I think uh, they probably would have been better off if they had just brought Jeff Saturday in for the offensive line instead of getting rid of Frank Wright. Um, I think that's been really the big problem all along since since what last Christmas um they haven't opened up holes they and that's led to a lot of lethargy uh, on the offensive line so um i I would like to see uh some changes go down uh in the coaching staff with the offensive line because I think that's exactly where they've lost a lot of uh, a lot of juice, if you will. It's
4: the root so. of everything. It, it's the root of everything, Dax. Shout out to your DePaul Tigers on that win, 49-14. Thank you for the call. I would say something that also stands out to me, Jake, about the O-line yesterday. Remember the Jacksonville game when you had the 38 points offensively? By far the best offensive performance of the year. The O-line you know, did a great job. You used the no huddle. You used the quick rhythm for that game that can kind of mask some of your offensive line deficiencies. You didn't use that yesterday. You didn't go with this crazy, no huddle up tempo to try and, you know, mask again, some of your offensive line issues. Yes. The Raiders D line does struggle, but what you said was, Hey, we're going to keep a few more guys in the block a little bit longer. We're going to make sure that we're sound in protection. It might take a, a, a guy or guy or two uh, you know, out of the route tree for Matt Ryan. But we feel like if we give Matt Ryan enough time, he will eventually find guys. So I think that's another kind of wrinkle to the offensive line of you didn't feel like you had to just run to the no huddle to try and escape things, or like that's always got to be where you where you go um, for an alternative game plan. You pretty much just lined up and blocked very well, and that gave Matt Ryan plenty of time to operate and. I really didn't think Ryan had many turnover type plays. Really, not even many balls that were, you know, close to being picked off.
3: They, the most interesting thing to me after the game said by Jeff Saturday was, you know, when he basically said like, "Look, we just needed to simplify things," and I, I think actually Jim Irsay really, you know, to Charlie Clifford yesterday really expanded on that by saying, sometimes to get things right you have to to your point, what you were just saying, Kevin, you've got to alleviate all of the extraneous and just get down to your core. Right. And like, let's do, let's just get back to making sure we can do our core and then we'll worry about everything else. And, And that's, they did that and they did it well. And I, I mean, it was, it was really cool to see Jeff Saturday, Hopping around and high fiving guys and running, there was just an energy to it. No, no doubt about it. And I don't know anybody that dislikes him, right? I'm not saying anybody dislikes Frank Reich or dislikes Chuck Pagano or dislikes Bruce Arians or dislikes, Tom, but in the case of Saturday, other than like old crusty former coaches that like the coaching carousel of the same retread over and over and are irritated when their boys club gets broken up. I don't know anybody that dislikes him. So it was super cool to see him win. You know, I feel like when you
4: praise his leadership style, Jake, it comes off as demeaning Frank Reich's leadership style. And I I wish there was a way that I could kind of get around that. But I guess the reality is you just kind of have to call it like you see it. But I think Joe Wright's mentioned it to us earlier. I just think Guys in the NFL locker room gravitate more towards the the Saturday leadership style. Um, And I think that style is needed too, Jake, because I worry about the in-house leadership within that locker room. I think if you ask people in the Manning Saturday era, Saturday being one of them, the reason why they could have a head coach with a temperament like a Dungy or a Caldwell is because guys inside that locker room got on each other's ass. Right. I, I don't know if you have that over on West 56th Street
3: to the level that is necessary. or Who do you think is the guy in that locker room on the roster that is most likely to get in somebody's face and be like, look, man, you got to carry your weight? Nelson? Leonard? Is Leonard that guy, or is Leonard more of a Leonard guy?
4: Yeah, I mean, but again, it's a little bit out of character for Nelson as being just a big-time public Speaker for Leonard, it's hard to do it as you know, bad as it might sound. When you're when you're not on the field right now, right? So I, I think that kind of holds you back, um, and I just think there's an element of midway through year five that Frank's consistent message was getting tired, and that's not all on him. I mean, you could argue that sometimes the results should dictate a change in process. I I, I am a believer in that, and clearly the results were continuing down a path that was not acceptable in urgency in games, coming off the, you know, getting out of the gate faster, not to start seasons, but to start games as well this year. Um, but, yeah, to Dax's point, the offensive line, huge.
3: They had – I it, it, was, it literally looked like a completely different team at times in terms of the way that they were protecting and the way that they were springing guys free. Uh, Dennis joins us Dennis what's up on a Colts win Monday
2: <laughs> maybe, they'll get my, maybe they'll get my name right my name is Billy from Tyler Texas
3: uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> now why does it say Dennis right here Mark I know no, I, no I said Dennis idea twice, Dennis yeah. you're buzzing or Mark you're buzzing me you're the one that wrote no, Dennis no I'm buzzing myself sorry Billy from Earl Campbell's hometown the Tyler Rose Billy what's up <laughs> Hey, guys, I don't know how many Cole fans heard this, but Jeff Saturday had an
2: interview Friday where he plainly said that it was Friday in practice when he decided to use Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan had felt better, and he said, that's who I'm going to go with. I don't necessarily think he was preconceived. I I mean, I think Irsay was going to let him do what he wanted to do. Uh, Personally, I'm glad Reich's gone. I, I think your team always plays with the attitude of your coach, and Rock just. Or I don't think Rock had the team. I think Jeff Saturday uh, came in with the, with a physical attitude. I think the offensive line played better, but they could sure play a lot better. But I don't want Nick Foles anywhere near the offense. Nick Foles has had one good year as all he's ever had with the Eagles. But I got news for you. With the Eagles coming up, we're going to find out. Thank you, guys.
4: Good points. Was it Billy or Dilly?
3: I don't know, but you could tell he's from Tyler, Texas. That's what I'm saying. That's so I heard. I just stared at Damn. Mark, and he just shrugged his shoulders. Well, at me how there. do you How do you get Dennis out of that? Well, Whether because he
5: had a little bit of static on his phone. I said, "Kevin and Query, what's your name?" Dennis. All right, sound like Dennis to me. It says Dennis, "What do you want to talk about?" And he said, "The Colts." I said okay, hang in there. So you confirmed? I that confirmed it's Dennis. it twice, and he said Dennis. Um, okay, well, and then you buzzed me because I no, said I what you wrote myself. down. No, I buzzed myself. That was me buzzing myself. Uh, uh, sure. Just to go over that quarterback. Is that the first time that's happened. No. Okay. When my, maybe my single days. <laughs> Just to go over that quarterback timeline <laughs> <Okay>. again. What? <laughs> Last Monday night,
4: Jeff Saturday says Sam Ellinger will be the starter. Matt Ryan does not practice on Wednesday. Matt Ryan gets out there for practice on Thursday. I had heard some whispers that Matt Ryan was taking first-team reps right away, like on Thursday. Friday's practice unfolds. Ryan again practices, comes in the media room, Jeff Saturday afterwards, and he was super noncommittal in addressing the quarterback situation. And he went out of his way, Jake, I thought, several times to praise Matt Ryan and then, based off what he saw out of Matt Ryan in practice, based off how he's throwing it, his presence, etc. Um, and then he said yesterday after the game that basically he made the final decision Friday afternoon after practice to go
3: with Matt Ryan. Can the question is this? Kind of a moot point, I realize, but. Did Frank Reich would Frank Reich have had the ability to make that same decision? Would he have had the clearance to make that same decision? I say no. And to me, that's what is the most encouraging for Colts fans: is that you have a head coach right now who, at least at this moment, now that's not to say that it is it holds for forever. But for right now, it appears as though there is a head coach that the owner respects enough to allow autonomy of the head coaching decisions.
4: Is there any element, Jake, of you saying, why aren't the Colts giving Sam Ellinger more of an evaluation? No. You're totally on board with the short-term. Let's see more out of Matt Ryan. And is there a slippery slope that if Matt Ryan looks decent to end the season then he's your quarterback again in 2023
3: and you're doing the same song and dance next year understood and fair questions um maybe at this point here's the thing maybe at this point but it's only because my question simply is why did they go I, I I don't have a problem with the ellinger experiment or evaluation or whatever else but they did it while things were still somewhat in play I know Matt Ryan wasn't playing well but you are three, three, and one. You win if you win those games, and then you still make this move, and you bring Matt Ryan back in, and whatever. Or, or if you know what I mean? if you had gone with Matt Ryan and you win those games, maybe Frank Reich's still here. I don't know, but you know, then you are six, five, and one. It, it, it's hard to not think of what could have been. Now, again, Matt
4: Ryan missed time due to that right shoulder injury, but they said that practice. had nothing to
3: do with the Correct. with pulling him. Correct. I'm just going by their words.
4: Yeah. Um we'll continue to take your calls again our fan tweets of the game we still need to get to that. Let's do a morning check-down.
1: The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
3: I actually, begin with the NBA. Pacers off until Wednesday. They will be in Charlotte. Then on Friday this week, they are in Houston before they come back. And it's four straight at home next week. That would be Orlando, Orlando, Minnesota, and Brooklyn before a long road trip for the Blue and Gold who stands 6-6. Six and six after their Saturday win over Toronto,
4: 118-104. College football from this weekend. How about the Purdue Boilermakers? They go into Champaign, knock off Illinois, a much, much much-needed victory, and keeps their Big Ten West hopes alive. So this is what Purdue needs the final two weeks of the season. They need to beat Northwestern and beat Indiana. And they need Iowa to lose one of two games. Iowa's got Minnesota... And Nebraska, if that happens, Purdue two and zero, Iowa goes one and one. You will have the Purdue Boilermakers here at Lucas Oil Stadium, first week of December
3: for the Big Ten Championship. Which would be cool, right? It'd really cool. cool. Uh, other college football results, by the way, from over the course of the weekend. Of course, Indiana. We don't even need to talk about. But Indianapolis over Truman, 28-14. Shrine over Kalamazoo, 42-19. It was DePaul, Ring, ring, taking the Monon Bell, 49-14. Toledo over Ball State, 28-21. Notre Dame over Navy. Indiana State, Valpo, Drake, Anderson, Hanover, and Mount St. Joseph's. Uh, they were all winners. Mount St. Joseph's beat Rose Holman. Let's talk a little bit about IU, how Vegas isn't wrong. They had that point spread. and 41
5: was the spread, right? That's what it started out. I, mean, I think it dipped down to like 39 and half. I
4: don't. Watching Dexter Williams, I don't know why he wasn't playing earlier. He gives them at least some juice and some life for the quarterback position. He needs to start the final two weeks of the year. Uh, anything else to out to you guys? Week 10, uh, Vikings-Bills was an incredible game. That
3: game was awesome.
4: Uh, the Titans beat the Broncos. True Titans fashion. You're like, oh, why aren't they showing any highlights of a Tennessee game? Well, it was kind of boring, but they just do what they do. 17-10, so they're now 6-3 and three on the year. Uh, Packers-Cowboys is a crazy one.
5: That was a crazy one. Bucks th- need to play in Germany the rest of the season, I think. That's how they win, apparently. they got to go to Germany to get the offense going.
3: I felt bad for Bears fans because they wasted a really good day from Justin Fields, who had moments where he looked really, really good. See, Mark's happy.
5: Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the whole point of 2022 wasn't wins. It was development. Can Justin Fields develop into the franchise quarterback i think we're seeing that these last three weeks he's been sensational and yes you would like the wins to come with it those will come in time worst case scenario now you lost a game by a point okay Cairo santos has been money for two years he missed an extra point there's a phantom hands to the face penalty that took away an interception but now you're three and seven you've boosted your draft stock in a uh, draft class that you don't need a quarterback in and maybe you can you know trade down and get some get some nice stock there from some team that would like to get a quarterback.
3: Speaking of franchise quarterbacks, uh, Tua looks like that for Miami. They're now 7 and 3. <coughs> he becomes the first quarterback in NFL history with a rating of 135 or higher in 3 consecutive games. They're 7 and 3. How about the Giants at 7 and 2? Like no one talks about the New York Football Giants Saquon Barkley 152 in a touch yesterday. Colts will see them on New Year's
4: Day in New York. Uh Commanders got a chance tonight or the Eagles go 9 and 0.
5: Eagles are going to come here and then lose. Is it weird that I kind of think the Commanders could pull it off just because Taylor Heineke's kind of like he's hit and miss every he's week. Plucky? Would you yeah. say he's plucky? I agree. Right, I'm curious to see how. It's that a nine will. and a half point spread. I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch that necessarily. That
4: will unfold tonight. Uh, Butler at Penn State. Gavitt games this week. So for college basketball, you've got Butler, Penn State, Purdue, Marquette tomorrow, and Indiana is at Xavier on Friday. Yeah, okay, we'll t- continue to take your calls and uh, give out our fan tweets.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: Post Game Headlines All right, time for our
4: fan tweets of the game. As always, Mark Dykton, you know, pretty close to that final gun sends out a tweet wanting in five words or less how would you describe the Colts performance that you just witnessed Um, I like this one from Charlie in referencing to the Jeff Saturday tweet from a couple weeks back the Raiders are definitely terrible Uh, this one from Sam and a play on words to the sitcoms with Parks Frazier as the play caller Parks and Rec McDaniels Rex spelled W-R-E-C-K. It's not
3: bad. You guys have any that you like? (laughs) This one's good. Colts get Josh McDaniels fired.
4: (laughs) There were a lot of those. There were a lot of those and a lot of Bill Cowher shots.
3: We're not finished, bro. (laughs) Yeah. Saturday loves the word bro, doesn't he? Aaron said, we have Jeff Saturday.
5: Craig (laughs) said, in your face, Bill Cowher. Alex Golden said, "Frankly, Saturdays better on Sunday." Joel, old McDaniel's, uh, old McDaniel's lost the farm. Mm-hmm. Actually, of course, that this one for Mister Gilmore.
4: I mean, this one to me just sums up everything from Aaron: competent offensive line wins games. I think they're better than competent, but yeah, I, I would, I would agree with that. This
3: is from Donald: unqualified coach is undefeated. <laughs> A lot of this is for Mr. Gilmore's for sure, right?
4: Boy, I think... I just thought the Bobby Okereke play was... It's a big play. You don't even get to fourth down, obviously, if Okereke doesn't make that play.
3: That was a big play. And, and I thought he had... I thought Okereke played well yesterday.
4: And the thing that was different from Derek Carr's ball on third down to Foster Moreau versus the Devontae Adams one is Moreau actually had it. I mean, he had it touchdown, down the seam. If he just controls possession of that, that's a touchdown with, what, 50-some seconds to go, and now you're going to have to drive the length of the field, and we'll see how Chase McLaughlin responds to that miss. Bobby O'Karake knocks that ball away, and that sets up the fourth down. And on the fourth down, Gus Bradley brought the house. I think you see the Jeff Saturday reference to it in the postgame locker room. Gus Bradley brought everybody. Man coverage across the board. And Stephon Gilmore, very similar to the Denver game. Great coverage and position to make a play. How many
3: snaps did Matt Pryor get yesterday?
4: Uh, Oon, right? Just the one for when Braden Smith was out? Yeah, Will Fries at right guard. I thought Will Fries, I thought he brought a little nastiness. He was playing through the whistle a few times.
3: The reason I ask is because And I'll just simply say this the one time. Yesterday represented a day where the player that probably fair or not, at least on the offensive line, is most tabulated or associated with a Chris Ballard decision that he was going to stand by, got one snap. And the coach that Chris Ballard first selected to coach the Colts was the one that was defeated by a coach that was picked by the owner to be the interim. And, The quarterback was one that the interim head coach decided to go back to, despite the owner telling the old coach that he had to bench in favor of a young player who I don't think was ready to play yet. So there were a lot of things, there were a lot of questionable things that I think were righted because Jeff Saturday had that kind of an influence and that kind of a respect when he walked into the building. Which is good. If you're a Colts fan, that's a good thing.
4: Yeah, way too much mixed messaging and inconsistencies coming what, out of there and now what
3: I said last week? Right. I mean, you know.
4: In in recent weeks, um, I do think Saturday just, he's got Jim Mercer's respect more than the guy previously
3: did. And that's the kind of stuff that, you know, Bill Cowher's diatribe just to me was like, okay, man. Like Bill Cowher, it was like a... It was like a falsified, embellished anger and rage. It's like, yeah, man, I'm sorry. I, you And know. he
4: acted like Jeff Sari was some convicted con- convicted felon that won a ticket lottery as Correct. a season ticket member to be the head coach. And I have some people like, why are we still talking about this th- this late in the week? I understand You know, Bill Cower his one job is a CBS pregame show on Sundays. Joe so Thomas, it's his first chance yeah, to sound off right. It's his first right. chance. But just way too much protecting of the good old boys in the club and all that.
3: And I know that you know, the point was made. Like, hey, you know, Bill Cowers working on television and he's never been on TV before. I think it's a fair point. It is indeed kind of apples to oranges because he's not paid for clearly. He's not paid for his command of the language or smooth nature to segue on television. He's paid that he's paid because he understandably earned the right to be able to opine and break down the game of football. But there's just the NFL coaches is such a stale, tired, rotating, same retread good old boys club. It's got to be the greatest job ever, right? You get into that, it's like, well, you're here for life. Don't screw it up too bad, and you're here for life. I mean, you can go eight and eight every year. Cool. Just keep retreading. And sorry that the Colts went against that grain to bring in a guy that was getting to bring a fresh perspective
4: it's fine to have disagreement which i do and how jim mercy's handled some things inside of his organization over the past few weeks without question but just to react in that manner i thought was so over the top
3: I, it was over the top that's the best way of saying it
4: uh ben had some jeff saturday thoughts let's get to ben
7: uh, yeah, yeah.
8: how's it going guys what's up ben right on man uh yeah i just wanted to say just on the experience thing, man. uh I mean, he, he don't have experience as a head coach, no, but uh, this guy's sitting in the, in the film room with Peyton Manning uh, for years breaking down offenses and defensive schemes, and that's experience that your most experienced head coach does not and will not have, for one. For two, anybody that's willing to go toe-to-toe with the sheriff on the sideline, I'm rocking with him. That's it.
3: I think a lot of people feel that that's way smart. about the last part, right?
8: <laughs>
4: to be fair, I, I do want to point out, I mean, Frank Wright – was a Peyton Manning assistant when Peyton was playing here. So I'm sure Frank Reich has been inside of film room, breaking down film with Peyton. Right. But I, I understand the point that Ben was making. Uh, and I'll go back to that point I was making earlier about just the accountability player-wise. Um, and I thought Joe Wright's made a good point with this earlier, Jake. It's something that we've talked about. Anytime you have an ex-player sliding into that coach role, mm-hmm. when you have a guy like Jeff Saturday's resume who is an undrafted free agent, At one point, it looked like his NFL career would never happen. I mean, he was wasn't he working like at a paint store Mm -hmm. when the
3: Colts called him? You know, I've heard paint store and I've heard gas station. I think it was a paint store, wasn't it? I thought it was. Um, And then his rise
4: to become a player that had those moments with Peyton Manning and earned the respect of one of the all-time greats, and then developed it into a, you know. Hall of Fame caliber type of career. And I think even that stop in Green Bay, I know he didn't He didn't like that stop at all in Green Bay to end his career, but that you are seeing a different side of it. You're seeing Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy and a little bit of a different side of it. Um, I think all of that helps. Once players last Wednesday heard from him of like, hey, I'll be transparent. I've got to earn your trust. Um, I think once they realize the Saturday story, because maybe it's not as... Obvious to them as it is to us, considering we we know him and have known him for a lot longer, that's only gonna help him inside that
3: locker room. Kev this quote from Zach Kiefer from Quentin Nelson regarding Matt Ryan. Quote, an absolute pro since he walked in the building. The way he handled Sam coming in and being named the starter was unbelievable. It was the biggest man move I've ever seen. I remember I was in the training room and I see him talking to Sam after a game and then I got done getting treatment and he's still talking to him. And then I go lift, he's still talking to him, trying to help him as much as he can. We want to block our best for a guy like that, end quote. What do you take from that quote? And is it the same thing I take from it? Um... I don't, are you reading something into it like Sam Ellinger related? No, no, not a knock on Sam Ellinger at all. That's Quentin Nelson saying, that's our guy. We don't feel like he should have been benched. Correct. Yeah. And, and we're going to go out there now that he's, maybe they took for granted Matt Ryan. And then once Matt Ryan wasn't there, maybe this is the brilliance of the move. I don't know. But Matt Ryan's now back under center and that offensive line said, you know what? We're not going to let this happen to him again. Let's go.
4: I think that and the combination of Saturday, again, having that direct now voice, the accountability for that group, going with Bernard Ryman, going with Will Fries, you know, making two commitments there. And I thought Parks Frazier helped out that unit. There were several times where I noticed it was a, we are, Max Crosby needs to be chipped on this play. We got to make sure that him or Chandler Jones does not wreck the game. And Crosby did have the big play on third and one. I put more of that on Ryan. On that sack. But the Colts stayed away from giving the Raiders those chances. Kiki Guti put the ball on the ground. That was a huge play. But I felt like once the Colts got up 10 nothing, I'm like, the only way the Raiders come back and win this game is if the Colts make the catastrophic sort of errors that they've made all season long. Um, and one of them, honestly, was a Michael Pittman fumble. And they and they called that a fumble, right? On the field. They didn't they did not go back and call that incomplete, right? Correct. Um So the Raiders tried to scoop it up, could not do it, and Pittman got back on it.
3: Yeah. And Saturday won his first challenge, didn't he? He did. Jeff Saturday won his first challenge. Chuck Pagano was the one that was always, wasn't he? Like, didn't he have like an over sixteen streak at one point on challenges? Well, Bruce Arians, when he became the
4: interim, he just thought you could throw the red flag whenever. And I think he got a couple of unsportsmanlike penalties for being like, "Dude, you can't just do that and like stop play." He's like, hey, "I just wanted to get your guys' attention. You mind coming over here?" No, I don't. I don't want to challenge that. I just wanted to chat about some things. The the one, the only nitpick I have, and again, this is a little bit late in the game, and it ended up not mattering, the Colts did not take a timeout there at the end, and let like 40 seconds run off the clock, so the Raiders, basically instead of getting the the ball back potentially with like a minute 20 to go, they would have gotten the ball back with like 45 seconds to go, if the Raiders had scored a touchdown there, I think that would have been a bigger storyline than obviously it played out. But that's just a slight, slight nitpick. Besides that, by the way, what I were our Saturday score predictions for well. the
3: game, Mark? Do you remember?
4: Uh, I had I twenty. To, I had nineteen to nine or twenty to nine. And you Raiders. said who would win?
5: Okay, I said I said the Raiders. I had them at twenty six to fourteen. I believe.
4: I would have liked to redo. Had I known Matt Ryan was going well, to, yeah, starter. that's the
5: thing. We gave our predictions before we knew if Jonathan Taylor was well, going to play. Yeah, or that's Matt Ryan well.
3: That. For me, it was more of a Sam Ehlinger versus. I felt like they Not could right, get like kind of that. You you see that a lot, right? When teams make a coaching change, well, and Carolina had getting, earlier this year. Yeah, they get energy, and it, it, you know, a lot of times it doesn't last forever. So, but Jake,
5: you had seventeen to thirteen for your pick. Uh, Kevin had twenty to nine Raiders, and I had 26-14 twenty six fourteen. But the,
3: again, that was when we thought Ellinger was going to be the right. Quarterback. Exactly.
5: Yeah, there's a lot of unknowns when we made yeah. our predictions. All
4: right, we'll do it one final time here, Kevin and Quarry on a victory Monday. You say we got Tony Dungy tomorrow, Mark? Yes, sir. Eight thirty. Nice. Potentially Jay Billis as well. Mm-hmm. Champions Classic over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse tomorrow night. I believe it's it's Duke and is it Duke Kansas. I always forget who plays who in that. I think it's Duke Kansas at the second game, nine thirty, and uh, Kentucky, Michigan State, the first game. Paris Campbell as well later this week.
3: Rock chalk, baby. Wrong mic. Sorry. I. How long will it take me to remember now that since that microphone, I've got to push this button over here. Yeah.
5: See, I had that issue last week. Remember when mine just broke? No, you were. He was out. Oh, was he out? Yeah. You kept reaching. I was like, "What are you trying to hold my hand? I couldn't figure out what you were doing. I was like, "You kept trying to 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 build chemistry. There's electricity (laughs) in the studio. That's for
3: sure. You know, my favorite part of doing this program is about nine fifty-five is when I really start waking up.
5: Yeah, you know well, I mean? that's good for
4: any
3: future programs that you are recording today. <laughs> that's right. Right about now is when I really get going. Um, I think you raised a, a good question earlier, Kevin. What, what things jumped out at you? I mean, we get just a couple of minutes left, but the Colts win was great, and it was a great day yesterday, and I know people are excited, but what else around the league has jumped out at you where you're like, because right about now is, is really kind of the – the time of year where you really do figure out who are contenders and who are pretenders. Well, you start to see these teams get to like six and seven wins, Jake, and you're like,
4: oh my gosh, they're going to make the playoffs. Correct. That's what I mean, right? Like the Giants. Like the Giants are going to make the playoffs. They're seven and two. The Dolphins, that's seven and three. That's four games in a row. And I'd probably have to go back and look at their schedule. But what's their record with Tua quarterback this year? It's got to be close to undefeated.
3: Well, like I said, three straight games, 135 or over. 7-3.
4: Seven and three. Um Kansas City back atop the AFC. I have no idea what to think of the NFC and who's gonna You gotta give a lot of credit to Minnesota.
3: Of they, I mean going into Buffalo and winning, that's impressive for Minnesota, right? Are the Eagles like legit, legit, no questions asked? I mean they're gonna be nine and one because they're gonna be nine and and come here and get beat. City's going to rally around Jeff Saturday. Team's going to be fired up. Undefeated team. Nick Sirianni. Colts are going to. I'm telling you. And, and don't say that I'm being Johnny Come Lately, like rah rah guy on that, because I've been saying that for yeah. I think month the short week
5: is huge, huge in the Colts' favor. I think the Colts are avoiding a uh, Spiro Ditas as, as well. So far this so far this season, no Spiro for you, Kevin. Now, does Frank Reich call Nick Sirianni and offer some insight, or is
4: Frank Reich too nice of an individual?
3: Frank Reich had to be watching that game yesterday like, really? You're going to let him go back to Matt Ryan? I didn't get that opportunity. All of a sudden, like, you're trying to win games again? Titans move to 6-3. and three.
4: They've got the Packers here on Thursday Night Football. That's in Lambeau, if I'm not mistaken. How about the Packers getting a win yesterday?
1: Packers suck!
4: Yeah, Mike McCarthy decided to go for an overtime on fourth down. Packers got the stop, and... Kick the game winning field goal there. 31-28 Packers win. They still got a
3: big, big hill
4: to climb. How are the Rams
3: them. three and six? Get to the playoffs. I guess the mocking other people's draft picks on draft night while a little overserved isn't working out so well for the Rams now, is it?
5: God, Saquon
4: Barkley had thirty-five carries yesterday. Yeah.
3: 152 yards, right? What
4: year is that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Butler and Penn State tonight. That's your uh, appointment television on Monday night, football division. Again, Eagles commanders there. Um, Tomorrow it's Purdue and Marquette. The Patriots get back in action Wednesday, Indiana at Xavier coming up on Friday. Everybody enjoy victory Monday. Again, Tony Dungy tomorrow at 8.30.